Motorcycles and Mid Crunch here Lord. at the Recycle Garage. Where? In sunny Santa Cruz, California. Oh, right here. In the straightened up studio. No, it's fabulous in here. Yes. I, I don't know if you noticed, but I've cleared some of the shelf space. I've got room for more motorcycles, so I got to go pull some boxes. Our listeners can't see that, Mason. Yeah, I know. <laughs> A little but, hard to see. But the there's room. So <laughs> Coming to you in smell-o-vision. <laughs> if you had to take a guess, how many toy motorcycles do you think are on display in here? Uh, oh, gosh. So I guess how many jelly beans are in the jar? Several hundred. Well, how many would you say, Ben? Uh, I'm going to guess about... 500 at this point. What would point? you say, Emma? 327 on thruppence halfpenny. 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, uh, Liza, 15, we don't 16, have time. There's 20 on that one shelf. <laughs> yeah. So, 1, 2, 3, 4, oh, 5, 6, 7. Oh, for God's sake. There's like 20 shelves at, uh, or more. So I, 20 by 20 is So, 400. I know at one point yeah. I had about 1,000. I oh, would yeah. guess that there's maybe 750 in here. Mm, maybe. Yeah. Right. So There's I've got, but the good news is I've got room to put some more. Sweet. Hey everyone, this is Liza, and I am a small bikeaholic. Is that a holic of small bikes? I, I I just made it up. I think I may be the only person in that group. <laughs> Says you with a freaking African twin. I'm, I'm, I have I'm, evidence. No, for I the meant con- the little one. Oh yes, okay, oh. very good. Yes, oh, yes, yes. Oh, that small. I may have a problem. I thought you meant like small bikes, like the ones I ride. We we little ones. No. <laughs> hey, to my left, running the board tonight. It's Bagel. You can pick your friends, and you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose. Especially not now. Absolutely I just washed my hands, just so yes, you know. I wash my hands too. Oh, good. Just oh, so we can pick each other's noses now. Oh, yes, it's all about that, what, Takate no. virus? or the, <laughs> <laughs> What is it? <laughs> and, of course, on the classy girl couch, it's Miss Emma. Hello, darling. And I am a gin addict. Mm. Yeah, we still have bottles of gin around here. Why well, can't drink it bloody all at one time? Because I'll fall over a lot and talk mumbo jumbo. <laughs> that is true. So we've got a small group tonight. We've got people off doing things. I know Jim's been sending me pictures. He went off. He, he decided to just go off dirt biking by himself. But he has, he smashed up the rally raid already, <laughs> hasn't he? Oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, he sent me pictures of like broken mirror and oh scratched up plastics. Does, nice. does he have a spot with him? Uh, yes, he does. Okay, that's good. And it has my phone number programmed. We've tested it many times. All right. So, um, and he's been uh, sending me reports every now and then, so he's good. Okay. But we still have plenty to talk about. Um, you know, one thing, uh, oh, Emma, I just wanted to just tell you, because this was kind of interesting. So my Versus, that is, it's 10, 11 years old now, right? Your, 2009. Your, your Versus, sis, sis, sis. Right, but Yep. My versus Tulsis. Um, so you may not know, I don't do the maintenance on that. Oh. Okay, who does? I bought that bike brand new, and I have been taking it to R1 Rich. Okay. He's a meticulous mechanic who follows all of the guide, factory guidelines and specs, and he keeps a diary of my bike. And so I just took it in for another service. 
It's got like 20,000 miles on right. it. We did plugs right, and right, fluids right. and right. all the things. Um, that bike has always run great, still on the original battery. <laughs> wow. There are, you know, look, generally, I mean, you know, you generalize, but um, batteries on average last a couple of years. And you can buy a good battery, you can buy a shitty battery. I do not recommend you buy a shitty battery because it can take out your charging system. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this many times before. I've learned this. But, yeah, you have, <laughs> didn't you? Yes, twice um, at least. European bikes are, are particularly sensitive with, with batteries. However, I'm digressing. But generally, two, three years is a good life for a modern battery. But there's always one or two. It's never failed me. I have run the maintenance uh, on it a couple times where you do the reverse polarity on the charger. Right, right, right. I've yeah, done that a couple it. times just in case, not because it needed it. It never got low. Mm -hmm. It has never failed me. But here's something interesting that he found when he was doing the air filter. He said that the air box, um, the screws were stripped and it had popped up off of the, I guess, the, the intake. Mm-hmm. That bike I bought brand new, and he's the only person who's ever worked on it. And I thought, that's weird. How could a bike have have that pop off? Something pulled it off then. No, it's it's probably pressure in the airbox. And there's a variety really? of reasons why it'd have pressure in the airbox. Hmm. Um, California bikes are inherently set up quite lean. And when they're quite lean, if you whack up whack open the throttle particularly in a high load situation they can cough back through the airbox and mm -hmm. if it'll do it all it takes is to do that once um you can mitigate that mm -hmm. by setting up the bypass screws oh. on the on the injection and this is why much as i like rich and i know yeah. he's meticulous he's not a pro wrench yeah he's a very enthusiastic amateur and a pro would know when you when you balance the throttle bodies on a mm -hmm. on a fuel injected bike, you're doing it on the bypass screws, and the bypass screws are simply that they're bypassing mm. the actual butterflies, hmm. and you can actually pull those out a little bit fatter to allow more mixture coming in. Yeah, you said one of my cylinders is running lean. Well, what a surprise! Hmm. It's a California bike. Yeah. Oh, we took all the smug stuff off. Right. Yeah, we took all that off. Um, anyway, I just thought that was interesting to discover that um, mm -hmm. when nobody else has ever wrenched on it. And has, it has it got this stock airbox in it? Or yeah, stock. Okay. Has it got, a, I mean, the filter, the element itself? I'll be honest, I don't know, because I take it to him. Mm. He, I let That bike has been babied. Mm -hmm. Whatever he says or wants to do to it, I'd let him do it. It's the only time in my life that I've like really babied a bike because I got it brand new. It's the only bike, right, right, first right. bike I ever bought brand new. Well, there's, there's, a, there's a different mindset when you have a brand new bike. And I've had a few brand new bikes over the years. Yeah. Um, he, he just follows whatever the specs are. And at this time, do this. And at this time, do this. And use this. He follows everything to a T. So I thought it'd be an interesting kind of test, too, to see how well a bike lasts when it is well, I mean, maintained precisely. Theoretically, that should be a 100,000-mile bike. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Theoretically. Yeah, so, um, and I'm still on the fence on selling it or not. It's just such a good bike. Yeah, you should keep it. But it's only worth, like, three grand now. Right. So and I mean, that, and that's the point. That's exactly the point. We all go through this. It's like 
my RF 900 is is even less than that. It's a $2,500 bike mm-hmm. on a good day. I will never sell that bike. I'll be buried with that bike. Yeah. Because not least because it's worth nothing. As cool a bike as it is, and I go to a bike night, it's like, what the hell is that? Nobody's <laughs> even ever seen one. But it's not a particularly valuable bike. Yeah. So therefore, I'd rather have the bike than 2500 bucks. Right. Mm-hmm. So there it is. Um, oh, by the way, um, shout out. Thank you to all of our new Patreon subscribers. Oh, have we got new ones? We've Yeah, we've gotten a bunch of new because, of course, I announced that all subscribers at the five dollar or right. more are going to get the new shirt that uh, we're designing right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, make sure you go to uh, Patreon.com. Right, uh, motorcycles and misfits. You'll find us there. Might I make a suggestion? Yeah. on air. I yeah. think you should open the gates to ask Miss Emma again. It's been a little quiet mm. lately. I know. You want some more? Yeah, go on. Okay, I know. And, uh, I know. You need to know remind we, people what Ask Miss Emma is all about. So uh, this is something that we started as a little special perk for ten dollars um, a month. You get access to a special email for Miss Emma, and she will answer your mechanic questions throughout the week. So if you have a project bike you're working on, you know, people send us emails all the time, and oh, we absolutely. we address them and answer questions. But, but this not is everyone f- gets an answer. Not everyone gets it right away. Right. Right, and this is very, very specific and highly detailed. And I want to make absolutely clear, it's not like a one-shot deal. I've got a couple of regulars that I have talked Mm -hmm. through rebuilding their bikes. Yeah. And we've gotten to the stage where I've taken a bike that isn't running, and just by sending them emails... um, We've resurrected it. Thousands of dollars saved. So it's a good value. Um, and I, so I, we have that limited, so there's not too many. Yeah, people I mean, you know, you want me to add some more spots? You can add a couple of spots. Huh, maybe I'll add five more spots. Yeah, go on then. Sweet. There you go. How about that? That's a that's a motorcycles and misfits exclusive. <laughs> exclusive. Yeah. So speaking of exclusive, I invented a thing. You did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> What does it involve? Tennis ball? Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! No, I'm I'm kind of proud of this. You know, when you're trying to solve a, a problem, and it seems complicated, and you're trying to figure out how to fabricate or mount or do a thing, or and then you f- figure out a very simple way to accomplish it, mm-hmm. and oftentimes that's just the the better solution yeah but it's that path and it took me a couple months so when i'm riding on any of my adventure bikes or dirt bikes um and i'll use the the africa twin as an example right now when you're riding off road you stand up and ride and you grip the tank with your knees and your feet and you're supposed to support your body upright and so that your arms are loose because you don't want to have a lot of weight on the bars you need to let the bike move around but I have trouble gripping. I have I have too much weight up above my knees. So if I'm going uphill right. or accelerating, there's so much weight right. pushing me back. 
Um, I have a lot of trouble, and with my bad knees. I, and I was going to say, you've got pretty dodgy knees as and well. And with my bad knees. Yeah. I have an extremely hard time not just holding on for dear life with my uh, hands. So I realized I needed a way to support my my legs a little bit better on the bike. Hmm. And full disclosure, there is somebody who makes uh, something similar to this that Jim found. I forget the name. It's online. But they make mounts for certain bikes, and it mounts to the foot peg mounts and extends up about six inches on a frame and then it has like a little a nub a puck and you can put the back of your boot like, into it like a nubbin and it's a little nub and it's just enough to slide the back of your boot into it hmm. so that you're up you know it's just mid, mid little, calf has a little, little more extra support. support yeah right um, Wouldn't the, help your knees, though, would but it? But a couple things. One, uh, I mean, it's over 100 bucks because you're getting a you know piece of metal. Two, every bike has a different mount, and they don't make one for the later years uh, Africa Twins. Three, I'm uncomfortable with anything that protrudes at all mm. that can now become something that is, you know, if you get pinned under the, the yeah. bike. Yeah. Or, so yeah, or if it shears, you know, hit something and it pushes your leg against right. it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Even the ben- something, anything rigid. Right. Yeah. Even the most benign-looking device in a wreck can get sharpened to a mm-hmm. point and just impale you. Yeah. So I yeah, think that's I, a good I was plan. uncomfortable having anything rigid, so I finally figured out. I was trying to. I was looking at like, can I make like some um, foam rubber, um, you know, like domes that can stick on to the seat or we've actually seen some seats uh like dirt biking seats that were made with these like little wings outriggers mm-hmm. in it you know so you can kind of squeeze them with your thighs yeah exactly okay but then you're looking at getting a you know five hundred dollar seat right right um so i came up with a solution of a about a two foot length of inner tube hmm. uh you know cut off both ends um and I was able to slide that inner tube down between the tank and the seat. That was the other thing. I wanted something that wasn't going to mar any part of the bike. Right. So now this is rubber. Okay. It's not going to hurt it. Slide it down between the tank and the seat. And and also because it's, you know, you got like six, six seven inches it's when it's flattened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that it's distributing the weight. Right over that whole thing and then in the ends that are sticking out i put some really cheap softballs that are real or sorry um tennis balls hmm. that are not they're really squishy yeah they're they're okay. yeah they're cheap ones and then i just rolled over the ends and secured it with duct tape for now until i figure it out but what i found is you get on the bike and those tennis balls sit right behind my upper calf like back of my knee mm-hmm. and it's just enough cool that when i lean back into it it's just giving me that support yeah but then i found i can also bring my knees behind it and push forward on the front of my like the upper shin knee so if you're like going downhill then going downhill right nice and it it's comfortable yeah it's all flexible and soft and squishy and so the whole thing's sort of like shaped like a dog bone then kind of well if you just take a two foot length of inner tube right. that is flat yeah yeah stick the balls in so i just like i said slide yeah. the flat part in like a flat dog bone and i just have these yeah. flappy ends sticking out because i can slide it in front or behind uh-huh. my knees wow it's a splendid invention liza and do you know the thing i like about it the most what's that although i've never seen one yeah I can imagine it's exactly what a manatee's scrotum would look like. <laughs> um, 
trying to Cur- imagine. No, they don't have them. It's internal. Hmm. But just in case. <laughs> have you ever seen that man manatee love video? No. Oh God, no! And I don't, I don't want. I know to you love either. to. Go, I know you love to look at uh, videos on YouTube. Oh no! Oh yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> is it Florida man? It is. No, Florida man. Of course, it's Florida man. No, it's a Florida man. Who else would it be? Anyway. If you're listening to us and you live in Florida, I've got a confession to make about Florida. When I was fresh off the boat mm. in 1994. A lot of people think I ended up in San Francisco. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I ended up in Miami. Wow. And I took a while to come across the States. I took a year to come across the States. And I love Florida. I think it's a wonderful place. I think it's great. I wish they didn't have bugs the size of I was small about to say, aircraft. Palmetto bugs. <laughs> yes. That's enough right there. You know, is that a Cessna flying over? No, yeah. it's a fucking mosquito. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but it's a Florida is a wonderful place and the people are great. Absolutely barking mad, which um, is why I like them so much. <laughs> go to the beach and see an old German guy in a speedo. It can change your mind. <laughs> I've, I've seen that in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> it amazes me. You can tell the Europeans. And, you yeah. know, the thing it is, is about... amazing. And the thing is about the Germans, it's great because they do it so correctly. It's, gentlemen, we will secure the sunbeds by all 700 hours. <laughs> Synchronize watches now. <laughs> oh, my heck. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to try it out, see how it works. Um you know, I'm on the fence, and some people, like Jim said, I, you're really on to some. It, yeah. it seems to work well. Um, some people have said, like, you should figure out how to, like, patent it and make yeah. it or sell it. But then I'm also on the fence. Maybe I should just share it and let people build their own because you know, it's I'm, so I'm, simple. Yeah. I'm all about the sharing thing. And, you know, it's, the thing I like the most about it, aside from the manatee aspect, <laughs> everything is soft. So if you fall right. off your bike, which is pretty much an inevitability if you're riding it off-road you are going to wad sooner or later it's not going to impale you mm-hmm. you might get a bit of a bruise off a squishy tennis ball but that ain't bad and yeah and the thing i like about it is it's all pretty much recycled materials too yeah exactly you know? and the thing i like about it is i can lift it out and put it on my crf yeah. or my klr mm-hmm. and if somebody actually knocks you off your bike, you can whip it out and batter them around the head with it. And if I find a stray dog, who is my shoe bone? <laughs> yeah, great toy to play. Um, so, Emma, you were out there today. We had a great day. A lot of people we, showed up. Actually, we oh. did. We had a fun day. Shout mm. out to Larry. Hey, you know what? Oh, yeah. So, Larry is listening to this right now. Larry, I knew you were a cool guy. I knew you were a solid cat. He oh. hung out with us for a while. Yeah. And um, Larry caused me to strip down to my underwear about an hour and a half ago. He did. I know. Well, (laughs) he donated a lot of stuff to the garage day. We had a lot of donations come in, too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Larry. However. But there was something special in there that I knew that we couldn't just give to anyone. So, Larry. Oh, thank you so much, Larry. (laughs) There is a vintage motocross jersey in bright blue with bull taco written across the front mm-hmm. and i adore it as a lioness adores her young <laughs> and i will protect it the same way it's absolutely marvelous it's got a little bit of patina to it mm-hmm. i mean this thing's been used yeah. 
Um, it's the real deal. It's the real deal. It's very vintage. It's very authentic. It's very cool. And it's very mine and now. It, and it looks fantastic on YouTube. I'm so. jealous. There you go. Well, you know, I've, got, I've got the figure, darling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I've, I've been on a swing of buying the new... Knockoffs. Um, knockoff of yes. vintage dirt bike shirts. I love vintage dirt bike shirts. Mm. And you have an actual one. Yeah. Wait, why does it say Bull Tito? No, I'm kidding. Made you love. <laughs> well, maybe it does. <laughs> maybe it did come from Bang Good. Um, oh my God. <laughs> but you were out there performing a, a miracle. Miracle. Yes. Yep. There was one some... in particular oh, on my... a Harley Davidson. Oh, there's some diddling there. Huh? By award-winning Mike. Yes. So, can you describe what the original issue was? So. Um, Oh, God, this is going to get so boring. So for those of you who are trying to get to sleep and are thinking of turning the podcast off, turn the volume up right now because I'm going to send you to sleep, guys. So we've got to go back a month. And Mike had a problem with the carburetor on his bike. Um, this is a Harley Davidson. I believe it started off life as a dyno. It's very heavily modified now. This is the bike he won. Yeah, no. No? No, that's oh, the, the one, shovel head. Oh, this is the one he bought. Yeah. This is and the one he, he bought. Got and built. This yeah. is, um, I want to say like a... Are you sure? No, he yeah. won a yeah. shovel head. Okay. Yeah, he won a 70s yeah, yeah. shovel head. <clears throat> this is like a mid-90s diner. It's a carburetted right. diner. Yeah, this is the one that had all the brass skulls on it. Or oh, yes. but, but it had yeah. that. I like the brass accents on it. Yeah. He bought it with that, I think... The brass accents look really nice. Yeah. But not the skulls. <laughs> no. I don't like the skulls. <laughs> They're okay. The brass accents more than make up for it. It's like gold rims. There's just mm. I have a Yeah, no, there's for a little it. when you finally see the turbo bike, the turbo bike is all chrome mm. except the horn on the turbo. I'm, I can't I cannot look at your turbo bike. Because your eyes will melt. <laughs> because of the color you've chosen. What's wrong with magenta? Oh, <laughs> oh my um, and you want to know what else there's going to be a cartoon of me on it <laughs> <laughs> it's my bloody bike yeah. alright the Harley so anyway the Harley so we must go back a month and um, the bike was running okay um, but it was pissing fuel everywhere every time he stopped mm -hmm. um, and didn't turn the petcock off. I mean, most of the contents of the car would end up on the floor, which is not a happy state of affairs. And so he bought a rebuild kit for the carburetor. And it was okay, but there was some pretty fundamental problems with it. And I'll stick my neck out here. I like Harleys, and everybody who listens to this knows I like Harleys, and they're great, but God, they make shitty carburetors. Mm. Um, the OEM car... Hold on. Did you hear that? She just bashed Harleys. Yeah. Well, they need to step up... <laughs> well, they're all... They're mostly injected now, but the OEM Harley CV carburetor leaves a lot to be desired. So I said to Mike, I said, look, you can flog this carburetor. You need a diaphragm for it. You need this. You need this. You're going to throw a couple of hundred bucks at this carburetor. Why don't you spend 150 bucks more and put a Mikuni pumper on it? Mm. And he's like, oh, I can do that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, here's the kit. Mm -hmm. And I gave him the part number for the kit. And I think he got a deal on it. It was like 350 bucks. Oh, it wasn't wow. much. Oh, not bad. Wait, how come they're, they're I thought they're like $500. No. Years. Yeah, but, I, well, now hang on. 
there's Makuni pumpers, yeah, and there's Makuni pumpers for carburet uh, for Harley's. Oh, it's a different. Got it. It's a slightly different spec. And I'm not going to say it's it's a simpler spec. If I was to show you a 42 mil pumper off, say, um, you know, uh, a DRZ 400. Actually, that's only a 40 mil pumper, but a 42, and then show you the one for a Harley. You'll see the Harley one's a much simplified carburetor, but it does the same thing. <clears throat> so we bought this carburetor, um, bolted it on, and the bike wouldn't go, which kind of surprises me, but it doesn't surprise <laughs> me because... When you say wouldn't go... Oh, no, it wouldn't go. It sounded like it was running on one cylinder. Well, it kind of was. So I... So we brought it down, and, you know, there was a few problems with it. Um, the jet was wrong, mm. so we changed out the jet. But... And there was it, some, something with the choke, too, wasn't there? Oh, and the choke, the, the cable was almost tied in a knot, oh. and so the choke was half on. Mm. And I fired it up, and there's lots and lots of backfiring, and it was throwing a lot of fuel out of the exhaust pipes, a lot of fuel, and I'm like, oh, Christ, what the hell? And then when I cranked it over after that, it kind of sounded strange. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this bike's got no compression. Mm. And so I pulled the plugs, <clears throat> and the front cylinder had compression, and the back had none. I mean, Ooh. none. So... That would be caused if no compression. That's got to be a valve, right? It's exactly. not going to be rings. It's a valve. It's a valve, <clears throat> um, or a hole in the piston. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, oh shit! Now, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of pooping my pants that's right like, now, like a bent valve or something. Right. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, what? I don't want to tell Mike this at this stage because the thing is, as Mike and I adore Mike, I would do anything for him, but he's inconsolable when his bike's not running right. He's just inconsolable. Hmm. There's nothing you can do to cheer him up. You know, you could take off all your clothes and do an exotic dance on the table with a bowl of jello, and it wouldn't cheer him up. So something I'm thinking as you're talking about this, we are used to, in most of our engines, uh, overhead cams. Yes. Well, no, hang on. There's over and there's overhead valves and there's overhead cams, but there's more. Right. But So, okay. well, I'll continue with the story. So I thought, okay, um... I'm going to clean the plugs. I'm going to put them back in and just see if I can coax it. Because I had something rattling around in the back of my head. <clears throat> and I put the plugs back in. And I actually managed to coax it into running for about 10 seconds. And then it just... Bleh. And then I took the plugs out again. And there was compression on the back cylinder. But the front had none. What? what? <laughs> and I'm What's like, going on? I'm so that's good and bad at the same time. Right. That means it's not a bent valve. And it's not a hole in the piston. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, hang on now. How can it move? Yeah. How can it shift? Why did it shift? And, and I'm so used to everything being metal parts. It's all mechanical. No, it's not on a Harley. Right. It's hydraulic lifters. Right. And so... What I think happened. So the next thing I did was I said to Mike, we're going to get the oil out of this bike and we're going to get it out right now. You pull the drain plug out of the oil bag and toddle off down to AutoZone and get yourself some Castrol GTX 2050. And that's car oil. 
and you're going to say, oh, you can't put car oil in a motorbike. Well, you can in a Harley. Because mm. it's uh, the transmission is separate. The clutch. The, clutch, the only yeah. reason you can't put car oil in a bike is because it will mess up the clutch. Right. But a clutch on a Harley is separate, so you can put car oil mm-hmm. in a Harley. And I, I like GTX. I put GTX in all my Jags, and I put it in... All my British bikes have GTX in there. It's good oil. And in your morning coffee. In my morning coffee. <laughs> That's why my skin is so silky soft, <laughs> and my hair is so shiny. Yes. Hair by Castrol. Um, so off he toddles and gets himself some oil. And we put the oil in, and I got him some really, really highfalutin iridium plugs. Iridium is not the top of the heap anymore. Oh, really? Because um, I thought it was. Yeah, I remember having iridium. They were a little fragile, too. They are fragile, mm-hmm. but they are they're top of the heap and expensive. However, um, my boss at Seaside Superbikes, yes, for... All your superbike needs, that's Seaside Superbike. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Um, he drives a, um, he's got a lot of bikes. He loves his race bikes, but he's got a Ford Raptor, and mm. which one of these, you know, Ford Raptors, like a full-size Ford pickup truck with like oh, a right. nine million gazillion kachillion horsepower uh, engine Like in that it. Ford that was here today? Yes. Yeah. That was giant. However, he <laughs> appears, so he got this, this chip that raises his boost pressure. So he's gone from like 500 horsepower up to like 750 with this computer thing. But the thing was loading up. So he appears with these plugs that he just spent 20 bucks each for, and they're called ruthenium. Hmm. And I said, well, those probably are iridium plugs that are made by a woman called Ruth on the production (laughs) line. But they are a thing. So But nevertheless, I've digressed again. So... Mike comes back with his Castrol 2050 and a couple of Iridium plugs, mm-hmm. which I gave him. The they're money. expensive. Yeah, they're about 10 bucks a pop, but they're worth it. Yeah. Especially if you're running an electronic ignition mm-hmm. like he is. You get uh, a nice fat spark. The advantage is a fatter spark. Fatter spark and a more regular spark. Yeah. If <clears throat> on Because the electrode is so tiny on an Iridium plug, the spark's not jumping backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. If on a conventional plug, you've got quite a big tip yeah. on the end of the plug. You know, it's 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 a good three millimeters across, and the and the spark will actually move around that. And you don't want it to. You want a nice, really solid spark. I just want to point out that if Jim or Nock were here, yes. they would not have let you have said big tip without saying something. <laughs> <laughs> it moves around on you. <laughs> yeah. Just the tip. Just the tip. <laughs> so. Um, we put it in the bikes. The bike still wasn't running right, um, but it was getting there. And I said to Mike, I said, let's pull the air filter off. And I want to have a look, actually look inside the carburetor while it's running. So we pulled the air filter off and, and we started the bike up. And I'm mean, like, oh, my God, it was like a bucket. It was like somebody throwing a bucket of fuel in there. Whoa. And so I thought, there's something very wrong here. Pull the carburetor. And this is a brand new carburetor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the only explanation I've got is I think the guy at Makuni who assembled that carburetor had been at the Saki the night before <laughs> because um, the idle jet was not seated properly. The main jet, the emulsion stack, and the needle were on the wrong setting. It had the wrong jet in it. It had the wrong stroke on the accelerator pump. The air screw mixture was a joke. The idle stop screw was just ridiculous. And the slide wasn't centered. So I put all that right. 
And sing run beautifully. Wow. <laughs> and I'd like to say that um, uh, watching all this happen, it made me um, appreciate you. Even Not that I don't appreciate you, but it made me appreciate you even more because you have that knowledge to know things like changing the oil, something you wouldn't think well, could affect one thing. So here's the, here's the Misfits top So I appreciate top, that. Yeah, here's the Misfits top tip. If you've got flooding carburetors and you've got a bike with a history of flooding carburetors, Mm -hmm. whether it's a Harley or not, the reason it affects a Harley so much is it's got hydraulic lifters. And that's what the clue was. The contaminated oil Mm. was locking up the hydraulic lifters. There was no squish in them. So it was holding the valves open. That's why there was no compression. And it was switching left to right. Very interesting. Because depending on the lifter that's getting the majority of the oil, Mm -hmm. it'll be the one that locks up. Now, on a conventional bike, even an overhead cam bike, if you've got a bike with flooding carburetors, well, in an ideal scenario, your bike floods, it throws all the fuel on the garage floor. Mm -hmm. You don't go out there smoking. uh, (laughs) You mop it up. You fix the carburetor on a merry way. Or in my case, you light it on fire and get out your evil Knievel toy and, and send him through. <laughs> yes. However, if you are unlucky, the carburetor will flood and the level will rise and get into the venturi of the carburetor. This is while your bike's parked. Mm. For a trick of fate, the intake valve on that cylinder will be open because that's where the engine stopped. And your engine will fill up with gas. Wow. And mix with the oil. Which can make it frothy? It can do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Mm. In a very mild case, it can make it frothy. In a really severe case, it can trash every bearing in the engine. Because gasoline hasn't got any anti-friction properties. Well, not much. Yeah. And it basically waters down the oil. So on a lot of metal-to-metal contacts, it'll trash them. Well, it'll wash the oil off of the, off of the metal surfaces, right. right? Yeah. Exactly. In a worst-case scenario, you've just turned your engine into a bomb. Oof. And there's a great video, um, and I think it might have been filmed in Kenya, of um, a guy, and he's sitting astride a blackbird, of all things. And he's sitting idling. Um and there's a load of his friends around him. And suddenly there's this massive explosion and it just blows half the fairing off this bike without oh, idling. Cow. And that was a carburetted blackbird. And that's exactly what happened. Wow. The, the pan, the oil sump, as we call it in England, was filled with a volatile mixture of fuel and oil. Hmm. And the engine reached a critical temperature, usually by sitting idling. That's when engines get the hottest, right. especially in a hot climate like Kenya. And it just hit the flashpoint. And gasoline. it hit the flashpoint and just blew the engine apart. Wow. Um, and so that's wow. what can happen in a very, very bad scenario. So here's your top tip. If your bike's had a history of flooding or it's flooded recently and you fix the carburetor, you're not quite done yet. Mm-hmm. Pull out the oil filler and have a good sniff. Mm-hmm. And if you smell gasoline in the crankcase, you'd better pull that crap out of there and get some fresh oil in. Yeah. Because yeah. if you don't, you will pay the consequences. Top tip. Top tip. So anyway, um, the bike got pushed in. He rode it out. and It I, sounded good. And oh, I'll tell yeah. you what, that FCR, oh, my God, it's <laughs> oh. woken that bike up. Oh, and he cracked the throttle going down the street. <laughs> it was like tearing calico. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but no, it's absolutely <laughs> it. It's a different bike, and I mean, you of all people should know this. Owning a, a DRZ four hundred, mm-hmm. a DRZ four hundred with a CV carb on it, and a DRZ four hundred with a Mikuni pumper on it are very different animals. Right. Oh, it just unleashes fury when you crack it open. Right, it's yeah. a different animal, and so it is with a Harley. Um, and you know, it's CV Mikuni carbs are, are, are okay, but they're no great shakes. But the Harley own brand. And they may be made by Mikuni. I don't think Harley make carburetors. They subcontract somebody to make them. They may be Cahins. But they're they're pretty gruesome carburetors. Um, How do you say that? I thought it was Keyhine. Cahin. K-E-I-H-I-N. Cahin. 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 All right. I know that was in that episode where we learned how to pronounce everything. Yeah, Cahin. <laughs> um, Honda are very, very fond of Cahins. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the whole Ford and Firestone <clears throat> thing. Honda and Cahin have been buddies for a long time. Yeah. You know? Nice. Did I ever tell you the story about Bridgestone? Very, very quickly. Oh. It's a very interesting story. Um, back in the 60s... Does, Bri- it, does it involve soiled underwear? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, back in the 60s, Bridgestone actually made a very, very nice range of very high-powered two-stroke motorbikes. In fact, they had a 350 called 350 GTR, which was a two-stroke 350 twin. Hmm. Could pretty much blow the doors off any English 650. <clears throat> um, however, very high-quality bikes, very reasonably priced. But... They also made the mistake of supplying tyres for all the other manufacturers. And the other manufacturers kind of ganged together and said, look, guys, you're taking a a little bit of our business away. Mm. If you want us to continue buying your tyres, you better knock off building bikes. And they did, Hmm. because the tyres were far more profitable. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so you did a little miracle. So I did did a little, and you know, I'd love to say there was some epiphany, you know, there was some major thing. Like a lot of bikes, it was a lot of little things. And you just set it up and set it up and set it up. But the biggest prize for me, aside from in you enjoying seeing it, was mm-hmm. seeing Mike. Oh, yeah. Because going from like a crushed dandelion on the <laughs> sidewalk, because that's the best way to yeah. describe him. Oh, he's, he's just a crushed flower on the sidewalk that some woman wearing a spike heel has just destroyed (laughs) and then his bike's fixed and he bloomed Mm -hmm. he bloomed he was full of beans he became taller and wider and more you know he was so happy with it yeah and i know that that bike has been on his mind for a month Mm -hmm. because that's his baby that's captain crunch um and I hope, you know, um, we're still working on the uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's at the Quail and what space we've got available and what space we haven't. But, you know, I'm hoping that we might be able to show the general public Captain Crunch because it's a wonderful thing. I'm hoping we might be able to show the public the turbo bike. But it's also depend- all depending on, on what space we have available. So, fingers crossed, eh? So, um, hey... I, d- I don't know if you know this, but I did a thing this past year. In your called, trousers. Called Whir Whir, right? <laughs> yes. Well, I think like the final, the final. The final insult. No, the, the final <laughs> bit of like cool thing that came out of it for people who don't know. Um, Google did a documentary. Wow. Um, yeah, on the relay. And it got released this week. 
So, well, how can people see this? Uh, you can go to our Recycle Santa Cruz page on Facebook, or you can go to Google on Facebook. Google. The, the Google page on Facebook. The one with specific. 27 million likes. Yeah. Yes. And scroll down, you'll you'll find it. And um, it, so here's something interesting. So the, the there's also a little bit of an article written in. In this photo, Bagel, see that shirt I'm wearing? Yes, I do. It's the same shirt I'm wearing right now. Do you notice a difference? Yeah. Our, li- our listeners can't see that shirt, Liza. Magically, there is no logo in the photo <laughs> yes. where there's a logo on your shirt. Just like uh, Rose's BMW magically has no logo on the side of the bike. Wow. Yeah, they were very careful. With I am logos. I am actually <clears throat> wise to this. Um, mm-hmm. Over the over the course of my life, I've done a couple of films mm-hmm. about motorcycles and about other subjects. And in any case... Any logo, yes, even as benign as a whistling Felix the cat, mm-hmm. is not acceptable. Yep, or or in our case, a dildo on Ride with Norman Reedus. Yes, <laughs> uh-huh. but um, so there's a there's two movies. There's the full length, uh, like eleven minute documentary they did, right. um, and then there's the shorter one that's kind of a trailer, but it's also. Um, they're using it to promote Google Maps because we use Google Maps extensively. I've never been through any of these countries that I had to plan the route for. And so we'd actually use Google Maps to map how many days it should take to get across that country. And we'd also use it, oops, sorry, um, we'd also use it to see, oh God, Jim just sent me another picture. Uh Oh, is he naked? Um, um, How do you crash a bike like that? I don't that? know. He's oh like my, hanging off a cliff or something. Oh, my God. Um, <clears throat> which way is up? Here. <laughs> so we use Google Maps to also determine uh, different routes and tolls. But we'd also go so far as to go into Google Street View to see if that is a, an actual road, a dirt road, whatever, you know? Right. So we used Google Maps extensively. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> I'm just laughing at that picture Jim just sent. That, that, is, yeah, that, that is a poor, destroyed rally ride. Yeah, yeah that, that needs to be posted on the Facebook page. <laughs> I think so. Um, and so they did this uh, a short film that's more promoting it. I just want to play the opening clip from that. When a friend asks you to organize a global event in six months in your spare time, say no. <laughs> no, say yes. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Yeah, I'm in the opening. Very cool. Yeah, I thought it was cool. So you can go see that. Go to the Google page, uh, Facebook page, or the Recycle page. Um, yeah, I was, I was, I was proud um, that they were there and that they found out about us um, using Google. Right to do this thing and they featured us and actually it's part of a documentary series they have on youtube called search on Hmm. and i actually recommend it um this whole documentary series are different people who are making the world a better place using google technology well fair enough then yeah so there's really cool stories there and now we are one more of those but you know i've said it many many times before but i think it's appropriate to say it again I mean, World War was a staggering achievement. Yeah. And um, you're a huge part of that, as is, of course, Haley Bell. Haley Bell. Happy Absolutely. birthday, Haley. Oh, happy birthday. That's right. It's her birthday. Well, it was two days ago, I believe. Uh, no, it was yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, the, the further we get away from it, the more and more it kind of dawns on me. But 
<clears throat> the good news is, so anyone can go see the this. Uh, it's called the Guardians because that's what we called all the women who carried the batons, right. the Guardians. Um, but the good news is, I also got access to it to play it at the Santa Cruz Moto Film <gasps> Festival. Now oh, nice. this is your new project because yeah. Woolworth yeah. dominated so much of your life. Mm-hmm. I know when it ended, you were a bit like, "What are we going to do now? What are we going to do?" And so you formed. Rev Sisters with uh, Shauna Michelle, two of the women I worked with right. extensively on Were Were. That's and Michelle we just, Lamfair and Shauna Sanderson. Sanderson. Yep. And we just continued just to work as hard as we did on Were Were. Um, so Santa Cruz Moto Film Festival, May 2nd here in Santa Cruz. And um, will they be there for that? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, I got even bigger news. Oh, tell me more. We have two more festivals we're doing this year. Really? Mm-hmm. One at Cleveland. Nope. No. Nope. Sturgis. What? what? I'm going to be going to Sturgis. Holy cow. Well, now, wait a minute. Now, I'm going to stop you there, mm-hmm. Liza, mm-hmm. because... You don't own a Harley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you have some history on this podcast <clears throat> of being quite opinionated about Harleys oh, and yeah. the people who ride them. <laughs> Do you think it's entirely safe for you to be in Sturgis? <laughs> I don't know. If I, the first woman in a bikini on the back of a motorcycle I see, I might lose my shit. Oh my <laughs> God. I think I'm just going to take a pack of hot dogs and throw it, throw them at people. I think that's going to be well, the Is best. that a good solution? That's a great solution. Okay. Um, no, uh, I'm joking. Um, so we are, we, have, we haven't, we haven't set the date exactly, but we are looking at during the Sturgis rally. Of doing uh, Black Hills Moto Film Festival there. Wow, oh, fantastic! And then we're going to be doing a third one in New Jersey. Oh, holy cow! Yep. So we're doing three film festivals this year. Sweet! Wow. We think that there's not enough film festivals. There's so many films. It's affordable now. People can make it. People, idiots like us, Sabin yeah. Scooters and Metasexual, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a, one film festival in the usa a moto film festival in the usa right now portland one yeah and there are people everywhere who love motorcycle culture all the things and 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 love a night out scene films that have been curated by people who also love all the different types of motorcycling so uh yeah i've been curating it got some great um some great movies there and uh so yeah santa cruz moto film festival and Go Rev to revsisters.com. You'll find the link to the first event, which has been posted. And as soon as we get the second one locked in, that'll go there. And then the third. And you have asked me to do a little bit of technical stuff for the Rev Sisters, haven't you, down the road? You're going to be one of the judges at the film festival. I am. Ooh. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. I, because I judge people. <laughs> I secretly judge you. And what I do is I say, oh, I'm not judging you, no. but I'm judging you. Yes. <laughs> through, the, through the corner of my eye. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and then we're, we've got other things we're working on that we're going to keep growing. Um, Rev Sisters, um, more things we're going to be doing out there. It's so, going to be big. Yeah. So, um, Bagel... You yeah. had a thing you wanted to talk about. Well, yeah. You're doing uh, a crazy thing. Yeah, I like to do crazy things yeah. on my scooters. and um, Just f- from there, Yeah, getting on the scooter, you're crazy. Well, yeah. 
but the, you know. doing the things you do on a scooter are crazy. Yeah. And then the level you take it amongst just crazy motors, crazy scooterists, yep. you take it to a new level. Yep. So, so that's why that's why we love right. Them. So, <laughs> and and, that, and this has taken me on my my especially on my Cannonball Vespa to forty nine of the fifty states, and I have one state left. That's right. You rode up to uh, Alaska. Yep. Right. That was uh, four years ago, and um, so the only state I couldn't ride to is Hawaii. So you figured out a way. I well, not riding, <laughs> but I'm putting it on a boat, and I'm okay. ship, I'm shipping my Vespa to Hawaii. Can I just make a suggestion? Sure. I hear that tickets for cruise ships are pretty cheap right now. I bet they are. You could just ride around and around the cruise ship. <laughs> I could do it. Right. I, could, I could do an iron butt on the cruise ship in the middle I, of oh, the yeah, Pacific. Plenty of room. That's that's the uh, the Newcastle Brown virus, isn't it? <laughs> or the, the Guinness virus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yes, I'm hoping not to catch any viruses on the way there. Or hey, not. I've got a question about beer. Yes. Do you think anybody drinks Schlitz beer anymore? I'm sure somebody does, but I don't know. I don't know them. <laughs> if you drink Schlitz beer and yes. you're listening to this, would you please send the Misfits a picture of you drinking Schlitz? Because I'm not even sure you can buy it anymore. I don't know. I'm sure you can. Well, I yeah, but it's not really a West Coast thing. You can still buy PBR. What about Red Stripe? I don't know. All right. Anyway, anyway back to Hawaii. Go. Yeah, back to Hawaii. Sorry, so, guys. Yeah, so there is there is a company that ships uh, motorcycles and cars back and forth from Hawaii to the mainland. Yeah, but do they ship scooters? Yes. Oh, yes. Wait. Um, I, did you see that Uber now has Uber Freight? No. What? Okay. Don't mean to sideline your thing. Okay. However, I haven't looked into it enough, but it seems that Uber is now becoming like one of those we ship or you ship or whatever, where you can get people to bid um, and to ship stuff. And I'm hoping because we all know the cost of shipping a motorcycle is ridiculously high, considering a lot of times it's just added freight to an already existing uh, freight. I'm just saying, you you may want to look into it. I will say right here and right now, I am not entrusting any bike of mine to the company of Uber. Okay, there <laughs> you go. I'm right up the bat. Pop but, quiz. No, we're going to get back to this. But Pop quiz. Yes. Yeah. Before UPS and FedEx, mm -hmm. who was the largest freight carrier in the USA? I'll give you a clue. I used to work for them. Uh, Stanley Steamer. <laughs> God, you are, you are hateful. Like USPS? That. Nope. Uh, largest freight carrier uh, 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 Pan Am no Greyhound correct ah uh, uh, yes yeah. there you go yep alright carry and, on and you, can, and you can still ship with Greyhound oh days. yeah and it's very cheap <clears throat> yes it is but anyway I haven't looked into Uber Freight but I, one thing I'm hoping is that it may drive the cost of shipping bikes down hmm. I feel that if you actually order an Uber Freight somebody will appear an extremely rusty Sprinter van and he'll <laughs> yeah. have no teeth and tattoos on his face and probably have like a handwritten map and it'll be terribly unprofessional. 
Sounds good to me. If I'm okay, very right. right. well, yeah. So, Bagel, so, you're going to Hawaii. Yes, I am going to, to Hawaii with Which my Vespa. I'm going to three islands. What? What? Yep. Uh, so, the way this works is a company called uh, Pesha Hawaii will uh, ship from San Diego to either Maui or uh, or the Big Island. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I'm shipping my bike first to Maui. Uh, I'm going to spend a week there, uh, including for my birthday. Then I am uh, putting it on a boat from Maui to Oahu, where I will uh, spend a couple days on Oahu, and then ship the bike from Oahu to the Big Island and spend a little over a week there before I ship it back now, home. Do you are you on the same boat as your bike no well i'm i'll be flying why didn't you go out with your bike i, I don't i can't take that much time off of work <laughs> because i have to because it'd be fun because you could ride it around the deck well i have to i have to ship i have to take my bike to the to the port in san diego about three weeks before i yeah. pick it up in hawaii uh, so because i've got to drop it off and they've got to get it you know moved and ship it are you going to ride up a volcano yes i'm going to ride up all the volcanoes yeah yes my, my plan is to ride to the to as high up on each of the mountains as i can on each island uh and and circumnavigate each of the island going all the way around, uh, as well as catching other sites, um, you know. And now, we have misfits yeah. in Hawaii. Are you going to visit them? I plan to, yes. Very good. Yes, I've been in touch with uh, two of them so far. Uh, actually, three of them, uh, including one of our former guests. So, uh, Lovely, jubbly bagel. Yes, Fran, who was on here a couple weeks ago. All right. I'm going to go say hi to her on Oahu. And um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to this. Um, it's and honestly, it's been it's been years since I've had a real vacation vacation because I always do these extreme scooter rides like scooter cannonballs, and I wear myself out, and it's it's an exhaustingly fun time, but it doesn't give me a lot of rest. But this vacation is going to be lots of lot plenty of riding, but lots of fun riding and relaxing, and I'm really really looking That's forward to it. That's just great, Bagel. You deserve a vacation, darling. Oh, thank you. You look you. very. You've been looking stressed lately. It's been a rough couple of years. Yes, so, I know, darling. You'd so, be yeah, good. It'll be nice. So wait, anyway. after this, what's next? Puerto Rico, Guam. Um, I, I, I have. I've Come on, share your plans, them, Bagel, because I think this maybe. is. But the, uh, my my next goal, though, I I have something else in mind. Um, because next year is the seventy fifth anniversary of the Vespa, uh, which was started in nineteen forty six. So. Uh, I was interested in reprising a uh, tribute ride that friends of mine did for the 50th anniversary of Vespa, where they rode from San Francisco to the Vespa factory in Italy. And they called this the ride of a lifetime. And uh, so I'm interested in honoring their achievement um, and uh, for both my my friends who are still with us and who have passed uh, who did that ride uh, by doing a second ride of a lifetime where I'll ride from here uh, uh, all the way across North America to Montreal where I'll ship my bike this is I haven't made plans yet but looks like this is what I'll be doing shipping with Air Canada over to Dublin then uh, ride from Dublin up through Ireland uh, take the ferry over to Scotland and then I'm going to start from the top of the British Isles at John O'Groats, right all the way down to Land's End, and uh, do that ride in a day. Since I've heard that's a thing, can I make a suggestion for another thing to put on your list? Sure. So once you've done all the states, you should start doing the islands like Catalina, Fire, and Alcatraz. Oh, cool. Maybe. 
that that's a possibility. Islands that you're not allowed to have vehicles on. That would be cool, too. Well, you know, you know somebody's got a boat. <laughs> exactly what I'm saying. Getting but, your a picture of your Vespa and go ride on an island. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, but for the the European trip, so after after I do that crazy ride through the British Isles, I'll ride through Europe to the World Vespa Days Rally, which is being held in Interlaken, Switzerland this year, and uh, which is the the largest Vespa gathering in the whole world, and is I'm sure going to be insane for the seventy fifth anniversary of Vespa, and then after that I will ride down to the Vespa factory to uh, to end the ride, and, uh, and you know what Vespa means, right? It means wasp. There we go. <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> and and I just thought it would be nice to, to, to ride my bike all the way back to the, the, the mother home back in Pontedera, Italy. And this is the 300 or the 250? The 250. The 250, yep. right? My cannonball mm-hmm. bike that I've ridden everywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to come home. <laughs> because when, you know, the thing is about Bagel mm-hmm. is um, he kind of bleeds scooter oil. Yeah. And I think when he arrives at the Vespa factory... He'll be just absorbed into it. It'll be like, you know, like in Star Trek, the Borg. In, in a T3? Yes. Terminator 3? Oh, yeah. No, no, I was thinking melted. more in Star Trek or, where, with yeah. the Borg. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Resi- yes, And you'll yes. get assimilated. Right. Yes. Just you'll just be merged beca- with the machines. You, you'll become one with the factory. <clears throat> Wait, are you? And just, you know, that'll be the last we'll see of you. <laughs> They're going to make me into a Vespa Centaur. No, they'll no. They're going to make you into an espresso machine. <laughs> nice. Well, congratulations. I love that you have these um, wh- goals. And where, where does this do fantastic that? plane leave out of? Did you say Montreal? Ah, uh, yes. It'd be flying from Montreal to Dublin. Oh, fantastic! And if you're listening to us in uh, Montreal right now, bonjour, bonjour, bienvenue à Misfits du Monde. <laughs> oui. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, so I, those are those are my adventures that I have planned for uh, for the next uh, next couple of years. Hey, plus plus I'm riding to uh, the world or uh, 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 vintage motorcycle days in Ohio. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. We so. have more and more people who uh, want to come out for that. I've I've got a plan for that, and I'm going to share it on the air. Oh, yeah. What? Because I um, don't even know it. Well. So, um, we have a loyal listener and misfit called Kurt, who I'm mm-hmm. very, very fond of. And Kurt has a Suzuki GT550. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do everything in my power to get that bike off him. What oh. are you going to do with it afterwards? I'm going to ride it home. What? What? No. Yes. I have been after a drum brake GT550 Suzuki for so long. And they don't they don't exist here. Or what? Well, they do, but you know, there's there's so much tripe around, and mm. he's got a good one. So I wow. think you know, it all boils down to money. But before then, I'm going on an adventure. Yeah. What? Where are you going? Oh, I do know. April the first. April fool. April, oh. Excuse me. <laughs> I got excited. April <laughs> Fool's Day. Yeah. I'm going back to the motherland. Ooh. Yeah. I feel. How long has it been? Oh God. 15 years. Wow. They're going to make fun of your accent, your American accent. <laughs> God damn it. Say <laughs> Aluminum. Aluminum and putting not enough using color and dying. And look um, at your schedule. <laughs> your schedule. Oh, yeah. Hand um, me a wrench. <laughs> the biggest issue I find in my life, Liza, yeah. is that um, my, my quintessential Britishness has been a little diluted mm. these last few years. And I think it's time I topped it off. A I've noticed bit. your pinky does not rise as high as it used to. Yeah, exactly. Your tea. And so the solution 
is I'm heading back to the homeland and I'm going to hang out with my peeps. And then uh, you're going to have high tea, aren't you? Yes, yes, yes. Of course, I am. And scones and crumpets and Mm -hmm. all these British things. Yes. Um, And I shall come back, and it'll be it'll be terribly splendid, and I'll be terribly British. Um, No, (laughs) you you, you know, bring us biscuits. (laughs) Yes, I will. Oh yes, lovely. I'll bring I'll bring you some of those nice rich. Actually, I do want to point out. They have dog food tasting crisps over there. They do not. They do. Listen. They do. I'm going to tell you something right now, Miss Lay's eating moron. I'm telling you. If you say anything bad about Walker's crisps in my presence, I'm going to cut up rough right now. I'm just telling you, we had some. I opened the bag and uh, Eugene got in the car and said, why does it smell like Alpo in here? (laughs) It, they're, they were horrible. However, on the other side of things, they've got a special sauce just for burgers. Yes, they do. Mm. It's Yeah. Like, all we have is mayo, ketchup, mustard. No, there's, there's another option. Yes, it's called burger sauce. Right. I know. And Why don't we have it? And there's there's HP, which yeah. is Houses of Parliament sauce. It tastes of the Houses of Parliament. <laughs> and then HP Fruity, which is a fruitier version of the Houses of Parliament. Yeah. No, it's it's a... Condiments. Ter- they got condiments going on, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's all about the condiments. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are very, very cruel about the British diet. But what you've got to understand is, is Britain is quite a cold country, as you probably found out. Um... And it's very carb-heavy diet because it's fuel. Mm. I mean, you know, if mm. you if you're going out to work or to school beans. at six o'clock, a lot of beans, Heinz curried beans, <laughs> and peas. I don't understand the peas on everything. Did now? Did you eat mushy peas? Oh, I hate all peas. Oh, oh, you hate all peas. I hate all peas. Right now. There's a pea listening to this oh, podcast, God. and you crushed him. <laughs> oh, my crushed God. him. Um, no, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great. And I would love to meet people at um, the Ace Cafe or something. But the problem is yeah. I've got relatives now I find all over the country. I've got relatives in Hampshire. I've got relatives in London, relatives in Birmingham, relatives in Liverpool, and a brother who is stuck on the side of a Welsh mountain in a 400-year-old cottage. Wow. So... <laughs> um. I'm really not going to be in one place for very long. I have one request. Yes, darling. I would like you to send us a picture of the Triumph Factory. Oh, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Would you like a picture of me giving John Bloor a big sloppy kiss on the cheek? (laughs) Like I did with Sonny Barger. (laughs) No, um, if I've got time... um, to stop at the Triumph Factory, I will. Yeah. Because I'd like to do a factory tour. Nice. Um, and um, no, I'll find the man himself and get a picture of me taken with him. There you go. What about the Norton Factory? However, here's an interesting thing, is with the exception of a couple of flagship bikes, and flagship bikes means Rocket 3, mm-hmm. and I think the absolute top of the line... T100? No. No? Um, Explorer. Hmm? You know, the Tiger Explorer? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Tiger Exploder? Yeah, exactly. With the exception of those two, all production is moving to Thailand. Oh. Wow. And that's new. That's like, that news is about a week old. Hmm. So all the T-100s, all the Scramblers, all the Daytonas, everything 
everything's being moved to Thailand except, let's say, for the flagship bikes. Anybody seen a Rocket 3 Sport yet? No. Oh, my God, it's a good-looking bike. Yeah. They have transformed. I've always yeah. been very fond of Rocket 3s, um, but it was kind of a blobby, sort of standard cruiser thing. They've turned it into a... It's, it's like a sport bike <clears throat> that somebody with a very, very heavy house paintbrush has painted. <laughs> it's an amazing-looking thing, and they've really transformed it. It's meant to be fast as fury. Power's up as well. So it's a Rocket 3 Sport? Or just 2020 Rocket 3 R or something. Uh, Roadster. Roadster. <clears throat> it's an amazing looking thing. Let's see what we got here. Uh, oh. It's different, isn't it? Oh, wait. Did we talk? Oh, wait. Ooh, with the tailpipes coming it? out or the back? Is that some, a custom? That's, that's, a sli- custom. that's slightly customized, so, but you're on the right oh, track. Oh, no, I found it. Oh, yeah. So what does that remind me of? Um, It reminds me a bit of the CB1100, maybe? It's got a bit of CB1100 in it. It's got a bit of Diavel in it. Wow. Yeah. The the taillight's kind of Diavel-ish. But it's it's a modern vintage. Yeah, but power's up as well. Like, I like the shape of the tank. It's got the nods to vintage, but Mm -hmm. it looks all and, and you know the thing is, the thing is yeah i think it's up there with the diavol what the brits do best of all is updated nostalgia yeah, yeah. and you can pick any genre nobody does period dramas like the brits mm. you you turn on pbs mm-hmm. and there's a period drama on it's going to be british and it's going to be great because that's what we do yeah nobody does modern retros like the brits yeah well mini jaguar too right and jags are a great example yeah you know even they're getting a little more modern now yeah but up until a few years ago when you got in a jag Mm -hmm. which is still a really expensive car Mm -hmm. you were getting in an updated version of what felt and smelt like a 1960s car yeah and the styling was is very evocative of the earlier right, years, but yeah. modern. Yeah, it's a yeah. modern take. Yep. You know, it's something we've always done very, very well. Um, you know, traditionally Britain. You know, and I hate to generalize. It's a very forward-thinking country, mm. and it always has been. But it's also very nostalgic. Um, you know, Britain has been around with British ways of ways of thinking and British sensibilities for thousands of years. You know, America, by contrast, is a relatively young country. So, you know, we, we it's kind of moving forward. Britain's moving forward, but very much with an eye on the past. Um, that's what I enjoy the most about it. So I'm going to do my share of stately homes and tourist stuff. Mm-hmm. But cool. I'm sure it's changed in 15 yeah. years. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. I'm sure it's changed a lot. You probably won't recognize London. <laughs> well, it probably won't. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting because, of course, you, I'm I'm never sure of the truth of the news I get here. And you always worry about things like Brexit and how it actually how it affects the country and yeah. how people are going to feel about it. So it, it's going to be a nice trip for me. I'm very much looking forward to it. So but When are you coming back? Um, I will be... I'm leaving on Wednesday the 1st, mm-hmm. so I will be away for the podcast then mm-hmm. and the following week, but I will be back on Wednesday the 15th. Oh, thank gosh. 
<laughs> so I will run the garage Thank for you, you while you're doing the Moto Bird Adventure Thank at Carrizo you. That's Plains. What I was at. There you go. <laughs> well, you're going to be here too, Bagel, aren't you? I should be. You're bloody better. This is March or April? April. 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 Uh, I might be on my way down to drop my bike off to the port in San Diego. That's absolutely oh, no excuse. I will kick you. <laughs> if you can't come here and help me at the Misfits, I shall kick you extremely hard in the testicles. Right. And it'll bloody hurt. I will do my best. Okay. Simmer down there. <laughs> All right. I wanted to um, to talk about something today. Um, there's a lot of myths and... Oh, Yes. I'm going to say poor information, but a lot of this information was valid at one point. At the day. At one point, but sometimes this might have been decades ago, but people still carry that over to modern bikes today. And what I'm referring to is this notion that bikes exit the factory detuned or um, like the first thing you got to do is put on aftermarket pipes because they're restricted and they got to meet all these things so first thing you need to do is take off all the smog stuff and put on some pipes and do this and do that and i wanted to talk about a lot of these aftermarket enhancements Mm -hmm. some are good some aren't and they're not always necessary right and in fact um on many of my bikes i am more than happy with what comes out of exactly the factory and the thing is I'm a huge advocate of customizing bikes. Riding a bike, oh, excuse me, um, is a very individual experience. Yeah. And if you have the vision and the skill to customize it to suit yourself, mm-hmm. you should do that. I mean, even if it's something as simple as changing the color. And granted, it's And then it becomes your bike. Everybody wants to customize. We all want to be different. We're not like the others. I got a quick question, Bagel. Does this happen also in the scooter world? Oh, yeah. But but I, I, I would like to offer an addendum to that. Okay. Is that, and I definitely have customized many of my bikes, as you've seen, um, but I, there are also bikes I have that I want to leave stock mm-hmm. that I don't want to customize right. at all because I, I like them the way they are. Um, but other bikes, you know, it's like that's the bike that I want to make mine. And I want to personalize it because it's my thing. I, I think it really depends on, on the bike and, and the person, too. So one thing to know is there's different price points for bikes. Sure. And yes, understandably. And let's take the Kawasaki Versus as there you an go. example. Perfect right? example. <laughs> That was a bike that came in at like I think eight or nine thousand dollars. Right. Uh, I don't know what it is now. Probably still not much more. It's right? Cheapest chips. Right. Um, great bike. But to get a bike to that price point, you're going to cut corners. They're going to cut corners. So there will be things on it that you might want to change out. So on that versus, let's start with uh, tires. Now that's something a lot of people think. Oh, you know, you need to get like. Yeah, some some better tires. Um, I personally think whatever comes from the factory is probably the best option. However, and that is true, but that wasn't always the case. And so this is where the legend starts. The early Japanese bikes. So when I say early, I'm going to specifically say from the 1960s all the way up 
to the late 70s, as a rule, had terrible tyres. Mm-hmm. Particularly in England, because, you know, very soggy roads, very slick roads. And Bridgestone, we talked about them a little earlier in the show, pioneered synthetic rubber. However, the market share was very much aimed at the States. For every one motorcycle sold in England, 10 were sold in the States. Mm. And America was far more of a fair-weather country for bikes. And so the compounds of the tires were made for America. That meant mm. a harder compound. Longer distance, higher Longer speeds. distant, higher speeds. Right. And mm. so they performed very, very badly in England. Mm. I vividly remember a friend um, bought a Kawasaki Z1000 LTD. Yeah. Brand new in 1979. I mean, anybody who puts high handlebars on a 1,000cc <laughs> bike really needs a lobotomy. Um, <laughs> but there it was, 100 horsepower. And he rode this thing in the rain, and I was following him, and he opened the thing up, and the back overtook the front. Whoa. How he stayed on it is absolutely beyond me, but the very next day the bike was having new tyres fitted. Mm. And this was when it was about 200 miles on it. Right. Yeah. You literally threw the tyres away. Mm. And then you bought British tyres, German tyres. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelins were always very, very good, but they were soft and they wore out quickly. Um, yeah. But this is, so this is where the legend comes from. Nowadays, mm-hmm. and we had a little chat about Shinkos of all things, yeah, Shinko five years ago, it's ten years ago, was cheap tires. Right. And now they've got like adventure dual you know, dual sport tires that are good. Generally, if you recognize the name on the sidewall, it's gonna be a reasonably good performing tire. Um, there are exceptions. Right now, Dunlop is having lots of problems with their D404s, which ironically are not made at a Dunlop plant. They're made at a Goodyear plant, mm. and they're chunking, especially on Harleys. Mm. Um, and there's few lawsuits being thrown around about that. Wow. But a, uh, but that's an individual case. Rather than the design of the tyre, there's some flaw that's <clears throat> going on at the factory. But generally, most tyres right now, it gets down to a, a personal preference. Mm-hmm. I like the feel of Contis on my sport bike. You can ask somebody else who absolutely hates right. Contis. There's a lot of good tires out there now. There is. The, and the only uh, case, so on my CRF 250 yes. and my Africa Twin. They came with trail wings, didn't it? Um, I yeah, I think they came with. I did swap. I'm swapping out and putting on uh, Shinkos on those only because it's the I need style of riding. Dirt. Yeah, yeah. I think they came with eighty twenties, or well, the dirt bike came with like sixty forties. But I'm going to be doing more dirt, so it was the function. That is all. Right. But that is something. Yeah, a lot of people think they need to get a better tire. No, a lot of these tires are really good now. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about another thing. You know, one of the first things uh, people cruisers, uh, sport bikes. You got to take off that exhaust. Oh, gold! Mm-hmm. Don't get me started. Take off that exhaust. Open that bike up and, and let it breathe. And take off that airbox. Oh! That's only holding you back. No, we're going to deal with airboxes <laughs> in a little bit. Let's talk about exhaust. Yeah. yeah. Um. And again, this is this is where the the legend came from. 
Um, back in the early 70s, let's take a, a really iconic bike. Let's Ooh, GPZ. No, before then. KZ. Z1. Z1. Okay. 1973. Mm. So a Z1 in 1973 at the wheel is about 70 horsepower. Mm-hmm. It's not... Everything you did to that bike... That's a lot of horsepower, especially for then. For then, it was a lot. Yeah. But it was still low technology. It was two valve heads. Mm-hmm. Each cylinder had its own muffler. They had a very unique sound. But it was it was made fairly quiet for the American market. Everything you did to that bike would make it go quicker, including putting a very, very loud Yoshimura exhaust on it. So... Oh, yeah, so this is how you make a bike go faster. You put a free-flowing exhaust on it. To a certain extent, it will help now, but, and this is the but, we're going to talk about back pressure. Yes. And a lot of bikes now, with the way the cams are designed and the way what's called the overlap of the cams work, and the overlap is when the exhaust and the intake valve are open momentarily. Mm-hmm. That's the overlap. Mm-hmm. They need back pressure from the exhaust to make an efficient scavenge in the combustion chamber. And an efficient scavenge in the combustion chamber is not something that rats do behind the deli. <laughs> it means bigger bang, more power. It's as simple as that. So if you have a cruiser with fairly quiet pipes on it and you just cut them off or put really loud pipes Mm -hmm. on the chances are as loud as it is it's going to produce less power right and you're going to get that characteristic machine gun bang 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 when you shut the throttle which is as obnoxious as hell now there are ways of mitigating oh i don't want to change the cams in my um bike well you don't have to but there are some things you may need to do your bike may have air injection on it virtually every yamaha cruiser from 1997 on has got some form of air injection on it and you can buy disabling kits that helps with a banging on the overrun you're certainly going to have to change the carburation on it to to fatten it up to compensate for Mm -hmm. that lack of back pressure right or if you've got or a fuel-injected bike, it. you might have to remap right, it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people reach straight for the power commander. Right. <laughs> and the power commander is one way of doing it. You may actually be able to get your factory ECU reflashed. Oh, really? Yeah, hmm. to fatten up the curve. But in any case, it's not just a case of bolting loud pipes on a bike. Well, let's first establish two. <clears throat> Just taking a guess here. This is uneducated guess. Yes. How many people change out their pipes strictly for the sound? Oh, God. On cruisers? Are we talking about 90%? Yes. <clears throat> and on because sport if, bikes, maybe 70%? Yeah, probably. Because, you know, um, <clears throat> if, so, you, if you like big power... Um, but we're not talking about the sound at all. We're taking that out because that is just a personalization. Right. But we're what I'm saying is if you power. like big power, you're not going to be attracted to a cruiser because they're not – they're talky bikes, but they're not powerful bikes. We were just so talking the about power, the Rocket 3. Yeah, well, that, yeah. ain't a, that ain't a cruiser. That's a standard yeah. okay. now. 
but um, you're not going to buy a cruiser. So the power's not necessarily, it's all about the noise. So, but this is the myth that you need to put loud pipes on to let it breathe to get more power. If you take any cruiser, any cruiser made probably in the last 10 years and just put open pipes on it, you will lose power. There's the statement. There you go. It'll sound like you've got more, but I guarantee you'll have less. And when I got the Versus, which is, it's it's a Ninja. Yes. It's an inch at 650, right? Um, there were people saying, and I would go on forums like, oh, you need to change out that exhaust. If it's that quiet, it can't be good because the government is making them, you know, restricted. Oh, the, this, that, and the other government. Yeah, the government. Um, and I did the research, and everything I found said, do not change the pipes on this bike. You will make it worse. Yeah. This bike is tuned at the factory for this exhaust. Back mm-hmm. pressure. Cam overlap. Yep. And they that's that's just nuts and bolts fact. And that's just understanding how engines work. Now there are exceptions. The exception is um let's talk about Triumph Bonnevilles. Okay. It's as good a place as any to to talk about. So the Triumph Bonneville went away in nineteen eighty three, or the Triumph Bonneville that I know and love went away in 1983 and it left left this world as a pushrod 750 twin um probably about 60 horsepower at the end um shadow of its former self but a bloody nice bike I'd still be very very happy to ride around on a late 70s Bonneville right now very few bikes on the road that are as handsome but that's how it left this world in 2001 the Triumph Factory resurrected the bike. Now, how many common parts were between the 83 and the 2001? I would guess none. Exactly. Yeah. It was a completely new design. 790cc, 360-degree twin, mm-hmm. like the old Bonneville, which meant both pistons went up and down together, but they're doing different things. Mm-hmm. So... Um, counterbalanced within the engine, so very smooth running... CV carburetors and very restrictive pipes. Very quiet. Right. However, for all its sophistication, it was quite a lazy engine and it didn't have a massive amount of valve overlap. So, but it did have air injection. So what you what the method was, you blocked off the air injection and then you could put on pipes that actually helped that bike breathe a little bit better. Hmm. And they did go a little bit better with good pipes on, but you had to jet them up as well. Mm-hmm. And so if you followed the method A, B, C, D, E, which involved pipes, carburation, air injection removal, you could actually add to the horsepower. But again, it's what I said. You couldn't just put pipes on it. Right. And he did kind of wake them up a bit. However, because the back pressure had gone away, you lost a little bit of the low-end torque. Ah. Now, it's all very nice having that kick in the pants at the top of the rev range, but personally, especially on a twin-cylinder bike, I like that rush of torque. When you go around a corner, and you've maybe only got two or 3,000 revs on the rev counter, and you just wind it open and it pulls, I enjoy that. I think we all do. So be careful what you wish for. It's really hard to make new power. 
it's really easy to move it around. Well, and I, if you move it around to where you don't want it, you can actually turn a very pleasant riding bike into something that's peaky and unpleasant. And I'd say, like, one of the most common mistakes, one that I choose to make myself just for the cosmetics is pod filters. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. Oh, God. I know. Just pod filters on. But that's because I put that on bikes. I'm not <laughs> trying to enhance their performance. Oh, it's a look. God. It's a clean look. So that's a decision that's an educated decision i make but people who are putting them on thinking they're increasing performance uh, is there ever a case where that increases performance if you take a 19 mid 70s or before mm -hmm. superbike with conventional carbs and put pod filters on with appropriate jetting mm -hmm. and a free-flowing exhaust, you can make it go faster. But anything past that, you're just... CV carbs, you're yeah. done. Right. You're mm -hmm. dead in the water. So... And you can, you, can, you can jet it up, jet it down. The best you will achieve with CV carbs and pod filters is a similar amount of power, but you get that induction noise. A lot of people mm -hmm. like that sucking mm -hmm. noise. Personally, it annoys the hell out of me. <laughs> you know, it sounds like you're sitting on a big vacuum cleaner. <laughs> um, so, it, I mean, basically, if you're trying to get performance, pod filters are, are a no almost Yeah, all generally, the time. but I agree with you that it's a nice, clean look. It is um, a clean look. If you're, For, especially like on cafe racers. And yeah, and if, you, if you're building a cafe race bike or... You know, even a right. even a cruiser style bike, if you put a nice set of pod filters on mm -hmm. with chrome end caps, and then maybe you finish where the airbox used to go with just a sheet of polished stainless steel mm -hmm. that reflects the engine back, it's a very very nice polished look, and it looks great. But that's why you should be doing it not for performance. Right. So what about? Uh, suspension. So we're let's ah. go back to the versus. They have to cut corners somewhere, and they cut corners in two places mm -hmm. on your versus. One quite cleverly, and one not so cleverly. So here's your bike. It's built to a budget, and we're going back to the Bonneville again because it's the perfect example, mm -hmm. and it applies to the versus as well. If you're building a bike to a budget. You really don't want to cheap out on the engine because... Jimmy. Jim, come on in. He's he's back from the wars. Are you limping, Jim? Oh, my God. He look, he's all smashed up. Look at him. <laughs> I, we saw the pictures of your bike up like a hill. It looked like a dead horse, Jim. All right. We're, you get set up. We're gonna, she's going to finish so, her story. Um, so if, if you've got a bike and as an engineer, mm -hmm. you... you Build the be best bike possible. Yeah. It's, oh, it's fantastic. And then the company accountant gets involved. And he says, no, no, you can't have this because it's right. too expensive. Yeah. Too expensive. We need to cut costs. Well, you don't want to cut costs on the engine because it's got to have some degree of performance. And you don't really want to cut costs on the brakes because right. they're really quite important. Right. The finish you might cut corners on because you can replace some items that would be chrome or stainless steel with cheaper stuff. Right. But 
the one area that it is pretty safe to cut corners on because of the way most people ride is mm-hmm. the suspension. Right. And the verses of the the verses this is true, the Bonneville is especially true. The Bonneville engine's great. The finish on the bike is great. Remember who the market was. It's a very nostalgic right. bike. They knew most of the people buying that bike would be in their 50s. Lots of chrome, because people like polishing chrome, polishing chrome. Nice quality chrome, too. Nice paintwork, too. Hand-lined by Bob or Henry or Joe or whatever his name is. Hand-lined. You can wax it. Very nice. Gruesome suspension. Just gruesome. But you already said it for the type of riding people are doing. Right. And so we can use my, again, my versus as an, as an example, I'm not putting it on the track. I'm not pushing it to its limits. There have been a couple times where I was riding hard and I felt a weird right. thing, like something like shit, like I could tell, I think I bottomed it out or something. But in general, I'm not pushing it. But Jim, who just got here, like he he's he's somebody who now has discovered like oh I'm gonna go get my suspension set up because you need like to it's become important. So you did that recently on which bike? Um, let's see, recent the, the uh, one that was upside down today, <laughs> <laughs> the so, rally raid. Well, yeah, yeah, I'll say a couple of things. Is is one is getting it set up like sprung correctly, um, you know, without spending a bunch of money, and second is just adjusting what you have. Like I found, um, so recently I've done the Africa Twin and the CRF 250. A CRF 250, I could totally tell a difference because um, on the on the dirt. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, sure and this dirt. is a point I wanted to make. Dirt is completely different. Oh, agreed. However, let's go back to your verses. Well, hold on. He's he's still talking. I just want to oh, say yeah. oh. on dirt. That is where you notice a difference, not on street. So yeah, yeah. So on dirt, you know. Anyway, so you don't buy it. You know, I'm not bottoming out the suspension as much. Um, I don't get nearly as tired. I can bang into shit, you know, and I don't crash as much. You are pushing the bike to its limits. Yeah, but you know what I noticed? But to to count it on the street, so the FC1, when I first picked it up, um, the suspension all was for somebody else, and it was the damping rebound suspension, I think, wasn't quite right. So when I would hit something like a steel plate where it had a lip, it would jar, like Mm -hmm. jar, send a jar through my whole body. Right. And I was bummed. And then I changed it like seven clicks, and it was smooth as silk after that. Right. Right. So the versus. Back to your versus. You're basically a solo rider. Yes. And you don't travel long distance, so you don't load it up. Although that bike's capable of it. Mm -hmm. Believe me, if you were a two-up rider, if you were a a gentleman and a wife or a wife and a wife or whatever – and you rode two up on that bike with luggage, you'd be boohooing about the suspension all right. day long. Not because it's bad suspension, and I want to make that absolutely clear, but it's made to a budget. Right. Where manufacturers, it's very easy to cut corners, is on suspension mm-hmm. because 90% of the riders won't matter. Now, that's why when you go for a flagship bike like an R1M mm-hmm. or a Ducati or everything, it's got Olin suspension. Right. And Olin's is short for, oh, shit, how much is it? <laughs> for real. But that's, a, that's not the end of the story. Olin's make standalone components, and you'd better have a mortgage on your house to afford them. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
they will also sell shocks to manufacturers like Triumph. Mm-hmm. Um, the Thrucky R, which is a lovely bike, beautiful looking bike, all in suspension. But it's all in suspension made especially for Triumph, and it's very simplified. So they're, they're doing it to a budget, and it's better than what the... You know, the factory, I think they're made by FEQ. There's kind of no-name brands. But it isn't to, like, all-in standard. So here's where I get... Uh, here's I can see it coming. I know it's coming. Here's where I get accused of Harley bashing. Um, <laughs> when I used to work in the industry and sold parts to cruiser owners, a lot yes. of people put, very like, progressive shocks on yes. their big cruisers. And I'd always be like, oh, why? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Because to me, it's riding a bike to its limit, oh, and no. that's not what those bikes are for. Yeah, but Harley's actually Does it make handle, that big of a difference. Harley's handle better than you think. The biggest issue with Harley's is they're a victim of their own image, and somewhere along the line, uh, it's funny enough. I was having a talk with uh, with Mike McCarthy about this, and you know for people who are tormented by listening to our show regularly will know Mike McCarthy is a Sportster owner mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he's he's basically transformed his Sportster into a thing of absolute beauty. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a flat tracker. But somewhere along the line, and I think it happened in about the mid-80s, Harley decided that the Sportster wasn't a Sportster anymore right. and it was a cruiser now. It was a beginner bike. A beginner bike. Yeah. And so what they did was they just dropped the back end of that bike more and more and more and more until eventually the shocks had about an inch of movement yeah, on it. Exactly. And you would go over a pothole and you'd whack up your spine. And they designed the bike around it so you couldn't just put longer shocks on it. If you put longer shocks on a Harley, now your belt's rubbing on the master cylinder. And, oh, my God. It's a big job to change it, but it's worth it. For the comfort. And just the rideability of the bike. Okay. Because what you're doing is you're changing the geometry of a bike. Right. If you take a bike, the forks kind of come out at an angle at the front and the shocks come out at an angle at the back. If you just deflate the shocks and now the back end of the bike's mm-hmm. all sacked out and on the deck, the back of the bike's dropped so it's pushed the forks out further, which has basically made the steering lazier. Right. So if you jack the back end of your bike up, you'll tighten up the steering and it'll turn quicker. So shocks, I mean, for me, yeah. I mean, shocks is something if you are going to be riding on the track, riding two up, riding around the world, doing anything really a- where you're your suspension. It, that is something that you, you should. And it doesn't have to be expensive. You don't need mm-hmm. Olins. Um, you can get a nice set. If you're riding an older bike, if you get a set of fork springs and a set of gold valve emulators and bung them in your forks, mm-hmm. it'll transform the bike and... Those two items are like 300 bucks. It's not big money. And it will transform the front end of your bike. Throw a nice pair of shocks on the back, and, you know, you can turn an evil handling monster. But, again, going back to my Versus, I've never felt the need to change out the suspension. It works perfectly fine for the riding I'm doing. Exactly. So, in that case, in your case, the manufacturer rolled the dice, Mm -hmm. and they won. 
because it's it's perfect no complaints for you or 90 percent of the other owners right because of the way they ride the bike the suspension is perfect and i want to make it clear they're not peddling a shoddy product these are good quality shocks just has limited function simple simplified Mm -hmm. right however the africa twin and to a certain extent the fz1 are different and they're different because they're flagships Mm. and when you're riding a flagship generally they'll spend a little bit more honda don't make that much money on every africa twin because they want to make something that's Mm. really this is a standalone bike and they're immensely proud of it and so they'll put a few more things on it and give you a little more bang for your buck because it's a flagship bike same as the fc1 the fc1 was the hot ticket in the day so jim did you say you upgraded in suspension on the africa twin yeah just uh i resprung it to my weight okay. and what's interesting is i didn't find a huge difference just in my daily riding so to speak no you are um, but you know before long i'm gonna throw you know 40 pounds worth of luggage on it um you know, do some some adventure riding. So I think that's where I'll really notice the difference. You know, I've bottomed the suspension out maybe once or twice on 17, mm-hmm. kind of deep into a corner. But, um, you know, with the upgraded suspension, like, you know, I haven't noticed much of a difference, but I think like Emma said earlier, once I right. load it up with luggage, it should be a different story. Exactly. Yeah, and and uh, with uh, with my, in my experience, uh, both of my Vespa GTSs, um, the, the standard shocks that came with them were, were okay at first, but I found that they, they really didn't last long at all. And within about a year or two, I needed to replace them. They, they had just gone soft and, and mushy, and I don't know if it's the bad seals or what, but, um, but I replaced them with aftermarket shocks, uh, and, and they've, they've, they've done very well since then. Well, scooters are complete death traps anyway. <laughs> well, of course. That's why I love them. <laughs> so the one, the one component that I have replaced the most on most of the bikes I've owned that I do believe is an inferior product from the factory is the seat. Mm. And I think Jim, you're probably going to agree on this one too, right? Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) So now hang on. Uh, Look, I do believe, um, I, I want to think that they're making the best product they can at the factory. I want to believe that. Some However, <laughs> the seats on many of the bikes I've had, BMWs and Hondas, I've upgraded and it's a night and day difference. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But again, we're going back to the type of riding mm-hmm. we do. Yeah. Now, average Joe, average Joe, he weighs 200 pounds. Okay. Um, he commutes maybe 10 miles each way a day. And sure. he rides a medium-sized bike like a Versus 650. Mm-hmm. Perfect. He's going to be happy as Larry. It's a wide seat. It's reasonably contoured. It's going to serve him very well. So now his girlfriend, Sarah, also buys a Versus 650. But she only weighs 100 pounds. Now the seat's a little hard. Hmm. This seat's uncomfortable. And she bitten the long-distance bug as well. So rather than a 10-mile commute, she does a similar commute, but she also likes riding long-distance at weekends, 200, 300 miles, mm-hmm. just like you do. 
And suddenly that minor annoyance has become a big problem. Mm-hmm. Well, and actually, I want to point something out. You said that that seat is too hard. I find it's the opposite problem. It's too soft. It's too soft. If you go to Corbin, we love Corbin seats. It is a very rigid seat. But it's also tailored to your butt. It is shaped to your seat. And I like to remind everyone, I, you grew up in the UK, so I don't know about you. We all went to public school here in the States. Did you sit all day on padded chairs? No. No. They were plastic or wooden, slightly molded chairs, right? Right, but we also weighed a lot less than two. I know, <laughs> but I'm saying sometimes it's that rigid shaped is better right. yeah. than it's, a soft foam. It's called ergonomics, darling. Mm-hmm. Yes, but that's my the, point. The, I think the point I'm trying to make is, and I'm not going to get into how much you weigh mm-hmm. because it's not that discussion. But it is a discussion is you have to make a bike that fits all people Mm. from somebody who weighs not much more than 100 pounds and is maybe 5'3", 5'4", to somebody who weighs 400 pounds. And 6'7". And (laughs) 6'7". And you've got to make a product that will potentially fit everyone. So there are compromises to be made. Yeah. A lot of people like their handlebars closer to them. A lot of people like their handlebars further away from them. A lot of people like the handlebars higher, lower. A lot of people like their seats squishier. A lot of people like their seats firmer. You know, it's a very personal thing. Um, you know, I found I was always very, very happy with the RF900 seat. However, in the last couple of months, I've been knocking over the, knocking off these cheeseburgers a bit and doing Swedish exercises, so my butt ain't so big. And now I find it a little hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll probably be toddling off to Corbin myself and getting uh, Ricardo to mould one to my butt. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say, I, I noticed a big difference when I lost about 50 pounds too. It was much... Uh, much, much less human padding. Much less cushion there, yes. <laughs> and I want to say, not all my bikes do I switch out the seats. On some, I get the Airhawk seat that I can transfer. Yeah. And that's what I used on my um, my KTM or my Versus. Um, and some bikes, I just do get an aftermarket seat. Jim, you love aftermarket seats. Yeah, and I think Emma touched on it. It's the kind of riding we do. I mean, we go on long rides. Like when mm-hmm. I pick up the Africa Twin, I was doing, you know, eight, eight, 10, 12 hour days. Right. Um, and after that, you know, your butt hurts. So, but you know, so I think for the writing we do, cause it is, we're long, a lot of seat time. Yeah. It makes a big difference. And I think it's also person to person. I know other people, they're like, Oh, my seat's fine. Whatever. Right. Um, you know, but I, but yeah, we, I mean, but like I'm riding my little dirt bike all weekend and no need to change the it's, seat on that. Cause I'm standing up all the time. It, but you know, ergonomics is a big part of it. You know, I used to drive long distance coach. Mm-hmm. How many how many people in this room have ever sat in the driver's seat of a tour bus? With that air air, it's shot amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're basically it's completely contoured to your body. The range of adjustments you have in the length of the cushion, the height of the back, the the things pressing into your lower back, even the cradling around your thighs, yep. and it's mounted on an air cushion. Mm-hmm. And so, as a consequence, you can sit in it. The limiting factor for me driving a tour bus was how long my bladder had last. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I'm a friggin' driver. I'm pounding black coffee all day, every day. Mm. 
because that's what most tour bus drivers live on. So that became your limiting factor. But the seat itself, the foam in the seat itself was quite stiff. It was all ergonomics. So tra-la-la. So the last thing, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I just want to say another thing that I often upgrade or switch out are fairings. Either adding a fairing or adding a larger fairing to bikes. Right. That makes a lot of difference to me, again, for long-distance riding. You probably get that on the scooters, too, sure. on any bike. Taking that wind off of you oh, yeah. makes a huge difference. Yeah. So I think we've I think we've settled some of the things you really don't well, need you to know, do and some of the, the things you, you may want to do. And, you know, to be fair, a lot of this information, if this podcast mm-hmm. was, if it was 1975 outside... <laughs> A lot of this would be valid. Yeah. And you. this is where the legends come from. Loud four into ones, more power. Yeah. Pod filters, more power. Right. Japanese Bridgestone tires, shitty, change them. Right. You know? All these things were true back then. But now, you know, mostly, I tell you what, I'd run a set of Bridgestone S21s on my sport bike any day. Well, there you go. I so tra-la-la cleared some stuff up but i do have one more question yeah so jim this picture you sent me <laughs> yeah <laughs> of your bike crashed on a mountain is this because you're trying to make the sides match since you yeah. crashed on the other side you already? noticed that i crashed both sides yeah but yes. i didn't bend the mirror in half on that side like what I did exactly the is it the bike is like laying up, up a cl- up a hill you know face up. sand <laughs> what is happening here did you ride up up, I was I was practicing my my takeoffs in deep sand. Uh-huh. You know how you do that? You, you learn real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you you pin it and and get your and stand on the pegs as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's cool about that is it works really well as soon as you get up because you're pin it and you're standing up, but then you're going straight yeah. really fast. Yep. And I was trying to make a right hand turn, and I had to go across this wash through another like super sandy thing, and I just went straight into the, to the hill across the other <laughs> side because <laughs> I couldn't. I I, I'm, I really can't tell you exactly what happened. Once things start going sideways, I kind of I, I go black. <laughs> but anyway, it was good. The bike the bike had two good eight shit twice pretty hard. Once was on like the first fifteen minutes. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> pay, atten- pay attention to signs. Oh, yeah. um, but I see this hill climb. I'm like, oh, I think I can do that. And I didn't want to chicken out, so I went for it. And it was one of those hill climbs where it got really steep at the at the top, and it turned into a, a V, so you're riding up this V. And at the top, the V turned into like a two-foot rut. And I was like, well, don't go in there. So I went around <laughs> it, and then I immediately went straight into it. And then again, I'm not sure what happened. Mm. And then How, however, I, I should I point out, Jim, that yesterday... When I was bored, Mm. I was watching the Smithsonian Channel on YouTube, and there was this marvelous show about two airliners that crashed over the Grand Canyon. Oh, my. And there were some pictures of a Lockheed Constellation crumpled against the side of a mountain, (laughs) and it looked exactly (laughs) like your bike. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. It was good, though. It was good desert riding. Yes, I was down there in uh, Southern California. Actually, I was going to send a picture of this to you. It was a little cold this morning, Emma. I don't know if you can see. Oh, cool! Oh, yeah. Wow, frost on the yeah, bike. Frost. Oh, he drew a willy on his bike in the frost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little cold willy. Yeah, I woke up this morning, and uh, uh, yeah, we rode yesterday. Had a great day. A lot of sand, a lot of loose stuff, uh, some hard pack. 
and uh, had a good day. I woke up this morning. I'm like, feels kind of cold out, you know. And I'm like, I knew it was going to be cold and whatever, low, low, forties, high thirties. And then I go and zip my tent, and ice starts falling off oh, of it. Damn. I'm like, oh shit! It was 29 degrees. Which, whatever, no big deal. So got out. And then brought all my gear inside the truck and started the truck to warm it up so I could get my boots on and that kind of crap. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I just went riding for the rest of the day. That so sounds great. It was really fun, yeah. Yeah, I'd never been down there before. This place, I'm sure a lot of people have, called uh, is it, Hungry Valley by Gorm. It's where mm-hmm. they do babes in the dirt. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I've yeah. been wanting to check it out, and we had our plans fell through this weekend, yeah. so I just woke up way early on Saturday morning. I was like, fuck it, loaded the bike and jammed you know, down there. It, yeah, it's funny, you know, Obviously, as you can imagine, I used to spend a lot of time driving up and down the grapevine mm. when I drove my buses. Mm-hmm. And it was always frosty up there first thing in the morning because you're high. Oh, yeah. It was chilly. And, uh, I bet he was high. <laughs> but then uh, yeah, but then the sun came out. It was actually quite pleasant. I mean, I, was, I had my Carhartt bear suit on all day. I was riding right. it. We were wondering if you were wearing your spot. Um, I thought about it, except it wasn't charged. And I was like, oh, oh, fuck it. No. But, you know, but there's enough people down there. It's not like it's totally desolate, um, mm-hmm. which isn't typically my type of camping. You know, waking up and they got the Oompa Loompa music, Mexican music going. <laughs> and, you know, Tio's driving around in his four by four side by side thing. And <laughs> it was fucking hilarious. Oh, my God. Uh, but it's like I said, the not writing. Oompa Loompa music. It's Marachi. <laughs> Oompa, oompa. <laughs> it was a very so, LA kind of scene, but yeah. You're not injured. Just the bike is scratched. No, up. yeah, just the Good. bike. I mean, I when I when I crashed on the hill climb and it was in that rut, you know, trying to get the bike like I didn't know where to start because you're trying to turn it around and get it aiming downhill, but it's God. fucking <laughs> half in a rut. It was awesome though because I look up and it was like God had had smiled upon me and from the heavens sent his angels of two-stroke man. <laughs> so like fucking three two-stroke dudes. Oh, did he give dudes, you a sandwich? They roll up. They, I bet they would have. They all roll up and I'm like wrestling this thing. You know, it's getting hot on the side of the hill stuck in this fucking huge rut. Yeah. And I see the guy, he jumps out and he's kind of motioning to me and I'm like, cool, thanks because he's got to hump it up to this hill next thing you know he takes those little you know those little two-stroke kickstands yeah i don't even know where the hell it came out of like his back pocket or somewhere <laughs> pops out parks his bike and just then i muscle the thing up uh muscle the thing up and get it aiming downhill so i i was able to get it on my own which felt good but yeah my back was a little pissed at me after that mm. um but no and all good i mean i mean yeah i mean the bike took a good beating i did but we all we all held up okay Awesome. Nice. Yeah. So, um, hey, guess what? Hey. What? Somebody sent us something. Really? What did they send this us? This is kind of cool. So, my friend uh, Jenna sent this in to us. Um, Where's Jenna from? She's from Georgia. Wow. Hey, Jenna. Yeah. You're going to rate it? Georgia, yeah. my She's mind. been a guest on our show. I think she was like our first call-in guest oh, way oh, back wow. when. Okay. Lord of mercy. Um, so, she said, I sent you guys something in the mail. No, she doesn't talk like is that. Is it pecans? Like or pecans. She's from Detroit originally, but then we both lived in Boston and then Atlanta. So, so. choose your accent there. <laughs> yep, but what? No. Sup, chicken butt? Yeah. So she said, I heard you were looking for a valve stem core removal tool. Uh-huh. Remember, mine was missing. Yeah. I was looking all over for it, right? When we're doing the KLR. Um, so she says, um, you know, as many bikes as you have, I think you need this. It should do the trick. You should never be without your tool. These little guys saved my ass multiple times. Um, Are they so she sent people? us. A, well, wait till you see. This is a bag of it. 
Uh, she said one day in particular, she had four punctures. She ended up stuffing her spare clothes in the tire to get the bike to the shop. Wow. Nice. Pretty cool, huh? That's Holy cool. cow. <clears throat> that is so, things I'd never are fantastic. Of. So what she's actually sent us is like a some bunch of them. valve stem caps. Yeah, throw uh-huh. some oh, but yes. not the cheapo plastic ones that yes. shear off. These are made out of brass and they're absolutely splendid. And each valve stem cap has a valve removal tool that, within. Oh. Yeah. You know, the, the valve stems on my sixty five Heinkel came with those yeah. those same type of valve stem caps. She sent us like a couple dozen or something. Yeah, that's don't, awesome. use the, don't use the wrong side. Yeah, Jenna, <laughs> you are awesome. Thank you so much, Jenna. Oh yeah, it's got oh, the rubber seal in there. Oh, it's yeah, got everything, and it's got every valve cap should have its own removal tool. Yeah, that's, that's no, really, really cool. it should. And you know what? Um, here's a Misfits top tip. I'm doing yeah. about two of these a week. If you look at your bloody tires, and you should look at them every week and check your tire pressure, don't make me come over there. Mm-hmm. Make sure you've got a valve stem cap, and I'll tell you why. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Because it's cheap insurance. If your valve fails, the cap will provide you with sufficient time mm-hmm. to get to the side of the road before you fill your underpants. You know, every time I see a valve stem without a cap on it, I think, oh, my God, you know. Yeah, um, and if it's on a dirt bike, like, so you know, you're going to play with it in this jam-packed full of fucking mud. Right. Exactly. So, and, and that will cause a leak. Yeah, which and also causes issues. And there's no excuse. There's no excuse. You know. Except they're so damn easy to lose. Well, yeah. you know. <laughs> If you've got 50 cents, you can go into any auto parts store and you can get them. If you haven't got 50 cents, you can steal them off Grandma's Buick. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But whatever you do, put bloody valve stem caps on your bike. Please. And and, and also another tip, um, if your bike is is over 7 to 10 years old, say, and you haven't ever replaced the valve stems... Do that as well because that might those, be a bad idea. Those are those are rubber parts. They do degrade over time, and if you keep wondering why your tire keeps losing air and doesn't seem to have any leaks in the tire, that could be the reason why. Could be. Yep. There you go. So I have um, another email here, <clears throat> which is very fitting for our topic today. Okay. And this is from Paul. Paul Stein. Hey, Paul. Hello, Paul Stein. And he says, OEM suspension sucks. I agree with you, Paul. Says, hello, misfits. Um, <laughs> really like the porn actor you recruited. <laughs> Ron Steele. Yes. Ron Steele. Um, he says, why is it that the motorcycle industry has never offered suspension fitted to the rider as an option? Hmm. I get that bikes are built to a price point and some average springs are deemed suitable for everyone, but we know that is bullshit. Well, um, no, it's not. And that's, you answered your own question, Paul. Because that's it. I mean, people get, people kind of misunderstand the numbers involved in these bikes. So anyway, carry on. So he says, if I buy a new bike, I have uh, often had to replace the stock with uh, the shock with aftermarket, which has to be declared as a modification to insurance who freak out on the premium as they think it's a race prep. Yes. Then you have to worry that if anything goes wrong in the warranty period, the dealership will blame modifying. Yes. And some refuse to fit aftermarket suspension if bike is still under warranty. Yes. Just in case the manufacturer won't support a claim and the dealer's on the hook alone. Maybe if everyone considering a new bike asked 
what is the OEM spring options for my weight? And made a face at a lame answer, things might change. How many riders don't know how much their bikes suck until they try someone else's who has it set up for correct rider weight? Surely the first manufacturer to offer this would have all the customers. That this is still a thing in 2020 is just crap. Which reminds me, fuck you, knock. <laughs> ah! No, but I mean, Paul did a fantastic job um, of bringing up an extremely valid point, but also answering his own question. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, if a manufacturer mm. said, I will give you customizable suspension for you, mm-hmm. um, the, yeah, they'd get all the customers, but they'd also be bankrupt within a week. Right. Because there are so many variables. And make no mistake, suspension means very different things to very different people. So, you know, there's no one size fits all. So they'll they'll give you the lowest common denominator, and if you want something better than that, then it's up to you. There you go. Yeah. And that's that's kind of how it is, and that's how it's always been. Though, you know, whenever you buy a new bike, you're paying for these setup fees. Mm-hmm. Yes. Maybe they should include some actual modification to your specs. Well, you know, um, I'm saying it's, it, it sounds like um, mm. Paul's had a, a you know a. a choppy ride with his dealership certainly yeah. um it's it's not in, a bad idea in my previous life certainly when you buy a race bike whether it's an off-road bike or mm-hmm. a street bike part of the pre-delivery inspection is getting the customer in the workshop and setting the sag for them yeah mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and that's something you just do yeah. right and if they know how to do the sag do you know how to do your sag yeah i know how to do the sag you do the sag but if it's a beginning rider you get them in Wait. the workshop and you set up the sag for them and you show them how to do it. And you know how to do the sag now? Yeah, I know. How to Are do we the talking sag. about a manatee scrotum again? Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, you missed that part, Jim. <laughs> the manatee scrotum? Yes. <laughs> Apparently, Lord. they don't have them, but it was it was. Well, they only have one testicle, you know, like a Norwal, but kind of different. <laughs> I don't. Really? Oh, yeah. my okay. God. I get National Geographic. They tell you all that shit. Oh on the one God. hand, I kind of want to just let this go, see how far it goes. <laughs> on the other hand, we're get, running out of time, so I'm, I'm conflicted here. I like <laughs> Novel's only got one testicle. No. <laughs> <laughs> they have one horn. <laughs> it's, it's the manatee that has one. Don't get, oh. me, don't get me started. I'm a little loopy. Okay, very good. Oh, I'm a little oh, loopy. All right, we got time for one more email. What you got there, Miss Emma? I have have an email here from Matthew Hinton. Hey, Matthew. Uh, hey, Matthew. Do you Thank have one testicle? Hinton? <laughs> Related to Hinton motorbikes, maybe? Perhaps. Ooh. Um, you mean Penton? Oh, listen. Hinton. Oh. No, but he's thinking of Penton. Misfit. Oh, shoot. Yeah. My bad. Misfit's exclamation point. Ooh. Thank you for reading my email on the show. And while I was a little disappointed you didn't try out my Irish Kansas accent, I was not surprised. Ah, <laughs> oh, sure you are now. You're lying on the floor like a bag of shite. <laughs> Toto. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me get off my shillelagh now. Oh, oh, my I love the Kansas accent. Toto. Ah, <laughs> oh, sure you are now. <laughs> <laughs> Now shut up now. Will you read this fucking email? <laughs> uh, Miss Emma, thank you for answering my question on lithium-ion batteries yeah. and tires. Now another question. <coughs> LED headlight bulb inserts. Mm. Um, 
I apologize for bugging you with emails. I have zero motorcycle friends, and the scene in Wichita is not great. Would you like to know something about Wichita? Yes. Sure. The Wichita lineman <clears throat> is still on the line. Okay. <laughs> they had crazy drivers when I rode through there years ago, too. <laughs> You've never heard of a Glen Campbell song, have you? Yes. Who? who? He makes soup. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Glenn Campbell soup! Oh my god! Is he a band leader it's, or something? It's, it's, it's soup with rhinestones. <laughs> with rhinestones. I'm the rhinestone I, soup man. Yeah. <laughs> they advertise on Hee Haw. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um. <clears throat> Anyway, uh, so apparently, <laughs> no. Apparently, he goes on further to explain yes. the scene in Wichita. You either have Harley Bros or hooligans that encourage unsafe riding and running for the cops. Sounds about Not right. something I want to be associated on either count. I wouldn't either, Matthew. That I'm going to say I would side with Harley Bros. In, in that, that case, case yeah. I would. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to try and start a co-op garage here in Wichita, but I don't have the garage space or the mechanical knowledge to do so. If you know of any chill misfits in the area, let me know. Until then, I will probably just bug you guys and constantly <laughs> miss a, ask Miss Emma questions. Hmm. Um, so, it, light, light bulbs. I don't know anybody in Wichita. Oh, can, I, you? can I answer this one? Do we have any listeners? Well, it depends on the bike. Yes. But I'm a big proponent of adding lights for yes. visibility yes more so in the daytime than the nighttime yes by adding the light bar and having the three light sources yes that makes a big difference yes <clears throat> and and i did the uh led conversion in my uh my cannonball vespa yes and i have to say i love it uh, yes. it's, it's a nice crisp uh pattern and works every time yes. and it's a, just a simple h4 insert that goes right into the stock headlight yes. uh, reflector yes. and works really well <laughs> yes so, but, but, I, but each each kid is different, though. But so. on on bike like sport bikes or standards, where you're okay. not adding a light bar, then any opportunity to make a brighter light. Would you hang on there? So mm. s- let's deal with sport bikes. Okay. Sport bikes are built with one thing in mind: lightweight. Mm-hmm. And as such, the alternator in a sport bike is basically tiny for the mm. size of the bike, and is working very hard because. In America, the government says we have to have our lights on all the time. Mm-hmm. So if you upgrade the headlight to something that takes a lot more power, yeah. you're going to be working that alternator and charging system a lot harder. Now, bear in mind, it's a sport really bike. just from one well, headlight? now, hang on, we're going to get people... It's not like heated grips. Well, just, uh, just hang on a second. <laughs> You just back off there, Liza. <laughs> How many watts? <laughs> Somebody go, wait, wait a minute. An LED draws yeah. a lot less current yeah. than an incandescent bulb. And I was like, yes, of course it does. A single one. But, number one, a single one. But number two, they are greedy on startup. A lot greedier mm. than an incandescent bulb on startup. Mm. And unless you are really woefully unhappy with a stock headlight on your bike, I'd leave it. I really would. But adding a light bar is smart. And the reason it's smart, you can turn it on and off Mm -hmm. so it's not running all the time and not overloading that already 
overloaded charging system. I've forgotten what he rides, but if it's more of a touring bike, they tend to have a little more generous alternators and generous charging systems. Touring, cruiser, adventure. Yeah, you, you know, they... can add light bars. Yeah, you, you know, generally they've got the alternators a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, just the system's designed for more add-ons because that's what people do. If I was to pull an alternator out of a Jixer or an R1 and show it to you, you'd laugh. You'd say that's out of like a 100cc bike. Hmm. They're tiny because it's all about weight. And it's all about reciprocating mass pistons, rotational mass, crank and flywheel. And so if you have a big alternator, you need a big flywheel to drive it with magnets in it, very Hmm. heavy flywheel effect don't want that on a sport bike yeah. so they make everything tiny 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 so it'll spool up really quick but the disadvantage for you when you start dicking around with headlights and i have lost count of the amount of r1s <coughs> that we've had in the shop that somebody has put some um hids hids in yeah. and it just fried the alternator like that wow oh there you go and yeah. the worst part about frying the alternator on an r1 is that the magnets get so hot, the glue causes the magnets to separate from the flywheel. Guess what happens then? Oh, they give a grenade. Oh, uh, yeah. They fall into the engine pan. Yeah. Do you know what happens then? They go everywhere inside the engine. And do you know what happens then? Uh, all the little bits come apart. <laughs> and, and then? They plug the pickup for the oil pump. Right. And do you know what happens then? Oil starvation. And this little Conrod comes out to the front of the engine and goes, Hello! <laughs> Hello! Hello! It's, Mr. it's lovely out here. It's Mr. Conrod. I don't want to be inside the engine anymore. I want to be out. I don't like it in there. <laughs> exactly. So, all from changing a headlight bulb, so proceed with caution. Um, you know, generally... I mean, I grew up riding English bikes, and the headlight beam on an English bike is great for illuminating the front fender. Yeah, well, Lucas, Prince of Darkness. You know, I've, it's the only bike I've seen where the headlight beam comes out, turns through 90 degrees. You know, <laughs> it's just you have to awesome. drip water on it while you're So, riding. generally, I'm very happy with current Japanese lighting. So, unless you're riding at, like, 300 miles an hour plus at night... You know, think carefully about what you want to upgrade to. He's riding a 2015 Yamaha Bolt. Oh, I think he's pretty safe on a Bolt. And a Bolt's got quite a small headlight. And it's easily accessible. It's easily accessible. You'd probably be okay with an LED, but I tell you what I'm into right now. What? What? Does it involve rubber? No. I'm involved. I, I really am liking sodium lighting right now. Really? I've got I've got a 200 watt sodium light in the uh, RF 900 and in the Guzzi. Bloody hell! How, you know. how does your alternator support 200 watts? Oh, easily. Really? She pedals faster. No, because wow. uh, um, the RF 9 has yeah. got a giant air cooled alternator on it. Oh, really? Because it's a sport touring bike, uh. and the Guzzi. Because remember, the Guzzi started off as a California. Right. Mm-hmm. And what's a California? It's a cruiser. cruiser. Right. Mm-hmm. And what do people do with? Cruisers put, put lights all over and them. Stereos and, and stereos. And yeah. stereos. So both bikes, you see, I thought it through. Mm-hmm. And both bikes got these 200-watt 
um, sodium. And if you see the light beam on my bike, it's yellow with a purple tinge. Amazing. Wow. So what I'm saying is I think rather than just go straight for the LEDs, consider upgrading the bulb. And also consider putting a light bar on to have three points of light for more visibility in day and night. Right. And I, you know, you switch them on and off. Yeah. And, you know, heavy traffic situation, hit your light bars on. Yeah. Doing 100 miles an hour, coming home from a Wichita bar where there were a bunch of Wichita linemen, (laughs) um, listening to Glenn Campbell. (laughs) And eating soup. Exactly. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And eating freaking. (laughs) all right we're off the rails i think it's time you know and i thought oh yes just three of us will just do a little short show it turned into a long show didn't it yeah but you know what i feel like we had some really good information to share where else are you gonna hear discussions involving manatee scrotums and led light bars (laughs) and glenn campbell my god (laughs) and glenn campbell's soup I know. So uh, on that note, thank you to all of our new Patreon subscribers. Just yes. remember, go on to, you can go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com. You'll see a link to support us. Find Patreon. Anyone $5 or more, you'll get uh, one of the new shirts. And anyone, I'm going to add some cough, more of the Ask Miss Emma. Cough up 10 bucks a month. 10 bucks a month. It's nothing. You, get you go into Starbucks with 10 bucks. you're not going to leave with much. So you cough up 10 bucks for us. <laughs> And if you've got a motorcycle problem, I will cure that problem for you. You've helped don't, a lot of people. Don't yeah. make me come there. Don't make me come over there. Don't, yeah. Don't make me come to Wichita. Exactly. <laughs> if you do, you'll pee in the airbox and give you 200 bucks for the bike. Because you've got a rodent problem, darling. Oh, speaking of which, I saw an actual mouse in the garage today. Oh, we have oh. a rodent problem. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You, you need a cat. I, wait, wait Josie. Josie is the most ancient cat yeah, imaginable. You need a younger cat, I darling. Yeah. I can't believe that mouse is just there. Just running so right in front if of you me. if you have a spare cat, box it up and send it to <laughs> motorcycles. <laughs> You'll get a t-shirt. <laughs> we will, exactly. We'll give you a t-shirt as long as it's a good mouser. Yes. There you go. So thank you, everyone, for emailing us. We love it. And for listening and making it this far. Um, Stay tuned. We've got some really cool stuff next week. You guys, I'm so excited about the show next week. There's so much to talk about. I might have to do a double pumper. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Anyway, thank you again. Let's get out of here. This is Liza. Mm, Bagel. Emma Darling. Naked Jim. And we're out of here. Oh, cool, cool. Cool.